with the winner and new welterweight champion of the world, Leon Edwards. Leon, please describe what this feels like. Carl put into words, Joe. It's been a long, long four, four, four years. Don't doubt to me, I couldn't do it. The all said I couldn't do it. Look at me now. So, uh, after this last weekend, Leon Edwards solidifying his self at the top of the welterweight division. Mm-hmm. Um, second win over Usman. You know, it's crazy to think that, you know, just a year ago, um, that Leon Edwards would be not only the champion or holding the belt, but be looked at as the top you know, of the division. I mean, it's really, the dude's had a long road. It's mm-hmm. been not easy. He's had a lot of fights, um, some controversial in nature. Um, but yeah, I mean, through the whole COVID lockdown and not being able to come out of England and all the rest of it, I mean, he's he's done it. He had a good streak, <clears throat> you know, props to Leon for um, getting the job done, you know, every time he stepped in the cage. I mean, there there are more reasons than him just not fighting for so long that he wasn't considered one of the top. He wasn't necessarily fighting top contenders or up-and-comers. Um, he wasn't necessarily putting on exciting fights either. And, you know, the fights against Bilal Muhammad and even the Nate Diaz fight, it's just it's interesting the way the UFC works things sometimes. Like getting your title shot off of a Nate Diaz win who hasn't won a fight in years and years. You know, it's just there was a lot of interesting things about that. But um, then again, when given the opportunity, uh, not only did he step up when he was way down on all the cards in that fight, uh, but then, yeah, I mean, I always feel like it's like the hardest difficulty level of a video game. We have to beat the boss twice, you know, like, yeah, you can beat him and you even knocked him out, but okay. In like four months, you got to do it again. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, and in that fight, um, you know, without that head kick knockout, I mean, the first round he had his back, the predominantly the round, but then the next, what, two, three rounds after that were all Usman. So if he wouldn't have got, if he wouldn't have got that head kick, I mean, Usman would have won that fight. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you know, without getting too much into the fight, cause we're going to talk about all that in the overview. Um, but it was really nice to see, you know, I know that when he came back to England after his first fight, winning the title, um, against Usman, the, his first fight against Usman, um, he didn't really get a overwhelming response from England being the champion, but definitely the night of the fight being there. Um, I mean, they showed up. Uh, sold out the O2 um, for mm-hmm. that fight and not only that but when he came out and then he fought and afterwards I, I mean you know he felt like the the champion of England he felt mm-hmm. like the king of England yeah. I mean it felt like you know that was uh, you know he was doing mm-hmm. it for them so yeah. long live the king <laughs> Ready? Let's go, knuckle up. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, 
So we are back, Mr. Will. How we doing? Doing good, man. Ready to get this show started? We got a lot of great fights to talk about. Some huge fights to talk about. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of a lot of real big changes, at least in the UFC world. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, there's a lot to go around with this one. So, full table. Let's get it started. Overview. Round one. The overview. All right. So with the overview. Um, let's just start at UFC 285. We'll kind of popcorn around a little bit. Uh, the really John Jones's return. So that was the main point of that card. Um, Jones getting the submission in the first round, a couple minutes into the first round. Um, good for Jones. Um, we both thought that Cyril was going to be more game than that. So let's just, <laughs> let's just get that out the way at the beginning here. Um, yeah, what do you? What was your takeaways from from watching that? Yeah, I mean, I get first of all, I gotta admit when I was <clears throat> wrong. Um, you know, I didn't, <laughs> and, and I didn't even think he'd make the walk. So, you know, I had to start eating crow as soon as he stepped into the octagon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was right behind you. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he he looked good. He looked um, better than he has his last few fights at light heavyweight. True. And, you know, you can take that however you want it if you want to feel like the heavyweight division is weak and that's why he looked so good or if the skill level just isn't hasn't evolved like it has at light heavyweight um but either way you slice it john jones is now the ufc heavyweight champ so yeah um <clears throat> no i agree with everything you said one thing that i really was a big takeaway from that is you know we know that jones he has he has skills, but that's not like his best attribute. His best attribute is his fighter IQ, right? right. Yep. That's his best. That's the, you know, being able to use his own um, length to his best advantage, being able to keep his opponents in the fight where he wants to, um, you know, attack his opponents in their strengths when they're not expecting it to turn it into their weaknesses. That's mm -hmm. That's been his game plan his whole career. Um, I think what it showed with that, with... Uh, that pay-per-view or with that fight was that the heavyweight division is really lacking um, predominantly at the top when it comes to fighter IQ. Mm, I think it's yeah. a lot of it of big dudes fighting each other and whoever lands the cleaner shot goes out mm -hmm. and that's been able to happen for a long time. But now you get somebody that's that level of fighter IQ to come in because that's really how he dismantled Cyril Gaon. Yeah. He was able to get in close enough to create the takedown keep him right where he needed to finish the fight quick. You yeah. Know? Well, and not mess around, you know, in your opponent's strengths. Like that's uh, so many fighters could learn, learn from that. You know, that's if you don't have to take the chance, why would you? Yeah. You know, he could have tried to prove a point and stand with him for a couple of rounds. He had five, but what's the point when you know, you can get right in there, get him down and, you know, make your money in two minutes. Yeah. Especially when you're fighting guys that, may have you know a, maybe a greater threat to you because you you're been in a lot of wars these guys hit heavier mm -hmm. why even take the chance yeah i agree you know yep. so no good for jones another 
big, big Huge. impact. Probably even bigger. Probably. Like, probably. I know it, Jones, it's, yeah. I know he, that was the big news, but come on. I mean, so Shevchenko was the longest tenured champ the UFC had. 100%. And Grasso went in there and finished her. Fucking finished yeah. her. And we talked about, we were both fans. Um, I, I don't remember your stance, but I knew that, like, I would have loved to see Grasso win. But mm-hmm. I really thought that Shevchenko had more weapons, more ways to win the fight. And just overall, better experience when it came to the championship level. I mean, how many championship fights not only has she had with her title, but then in the other weight division going at it. So I thought that Shevchenko was just going to be able to keep the fight away from where Grasso could win. And that was, you know, Grasso showed a lot. Absolutely. And so another parallel you could draw to the whole John Jones at light heavyweight thing is champs like this tend to make their divisions better Mm -hmm. because you have to be. Right. And I think that's one of the things I remember us talking about on the previous show is we were going to find out if the division has caught up with Shevchenko. And it, and it looks like it has, yep. because even though she got the win in her last go around, it wasn't dominant. It was no. really razor thin. And some people thought that Torres won. Exactly. Like me. Exactly. You know? And then um, and that's and there's a good argument to be made for that, for sure. And then not getting the rematch in that and going in against another um, highly ranked opponent in your weight class and Grasso getting the finish. Um, yeah, I mean, it does seem like her division has caught up with her. Yeah, I mean, because Grasso, like the first round, Grasso, I thought, was he had the advantage uh, getting the better of the stand-up. Mm-hmm. Like, at least with the boxing range, I thought she landed the more significant strikes, did more damage in the first round. So I was like, wow, like, that's pretty amazing in it of itself. And then Shevchenko kind of turned it into this, like, clinch grappling match and mm-hmm. was kind of winning there for a while. And then just happened that... She turned around slightly. Grasso jumped right on, got the submission, you know, sunk it in even mm-hmm. really before the hooks were in, and then was able to finish her. And I was just like, I remember watching it and being like, oh, she got her back. Oh, shit. She's in a submission. Oh, she's tapping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, it was like, it was like, it was like, I was on a delay just to be like, where are we right now with what's going on? Because you just never seen that with, I know. with Shevchenko. Yeah. So that's exactly, that's exactly how it is. I remember Grasso talking about, um, Shevchenko's takedowns, though, and I feel like that's the moment she was waiting for. I don't feel like she was trying to shy away from the clinch, but I think she knew that there were things that Shevchenko does really well. She gets lots of takedowns from the clinch, but she does them in very specific ways. And as soon as that weight shifted, like you said, I, you could tell Grasso had trained that because as soon as that weight shifted, she knew um, exactly what her next step was, and and she took it and. You know, Shevchenko not being in that position too many times, I think, was not quite ready for how quick she True. jumped on that. True. Um, and yeah, like, yeah, and she got she got her and she tapped her out. Do you think that with somebody like Shevchenko, who is so proven and accomplished so much, do you think that it it can become a detriment when they get, you know, into the latter part of their career because they feel like maybe they have this era of invincibility and that's where they end up starting to get weaknesses. It seems like at least sometimes with these champions, they get too comfortable with being at the top and not mm-hmm. realizing the threat that's just waiting there on the other side. We've, we've seen that before. We've seen it before um, a, a few times, especially with really dominant champs. You could have said the exact same thing when Anderson Silva lost his title to Weidman. Yep. Um, and that was a more striking example, um, pun intended, because of how much he was showboating before he got knocked exactly. out. And Shevchenko exactly. wasn't showboating, but <clears throat> it is harder to improve when you're beating everybody easily. You know, you just don't get that much better. 
and it's hard to find things to work on when people aren't exposing your weaknesses like that. Yeah. And, you know, if if Shevchenko had worked on different types of takedowns and mixed things up a little bit better, Grasso might not have been able to get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I completely agree. I think it's exactly what happens yeah. to, to champs. Yeah. And I don't, and, and, you know, there's the whole debate or not debate, but there's the whole ideology between lack of motivation, right. Or being able to find the right training partners that will still challenge you. When you mm-hmm. get to that point, people that you do bring in to challenge you, they respect you too much. Maybe they're not giving you the threat that you want to, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole domino effect of every door that you open, there's going to be more right. questions to, that goes down it. But well, and there's the politics of the, whatever training camp you're in, whatever fight camp that you're in, when you become the champ or when you start fighting top tier opponents for, championships you become the focus of that gym and so maybe they don't you know pay as much attention to other fighters those fighters don't get better so they're not challenging him like like you said that's that whole domino effect yeah yeah you got to stay a white belt right yeah yeah (laughs) um so let's talk about the fucking war of the night rock menov versus neil i mean hell of a fight i was yeah great fight great fight loved That um, no Shavkat, losers on that one. No, for sure. Um, love that uh, Shavkat got the win on that. He's certainly the rising star. We'll be seeing him fight for the belt here really soon. If not his next fight, we'll see how it plays out. But um, yeah, Jeff Neal was a real stiff test. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Neal came to bang, mm-hmm. and they did. They went toe to toe, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and um. He got he got choked out, but he was getting beat to the punch even before he got choked out. No, exactly, and he was he was getting beat like you said, but then he was answering back. It would you know like Rockmanov would start to pour it on, and then Neil would fire back, mm-hmm. and it would kind of it was kind of this back and forth of who was really like in control of the fight, you know, yeah. and it was just constantly back and forth like that. Um, with the submission to me, because it was a standing rear naked, it's almost like they were both. I mean, the rounds were, they had an extreme amount of energy that was being used up every round. They were both getting rocked. They were both, you know, um, delivering a lot. And it felt like maybe the gas tank being more empty was what caused the submission than the actual submission itself. Because like I said, it was a standing rear naked. And I mean, by that point, I think that, you know, they were both pretty tired, but Jeff Neal looked really tired. And when he got the submission in, he went to tap. And as he tapped, he passed out, you know? So I would say most of the rear naked chokes you've seen in MMA are exhaustion submissions. Yeah. Like that's generally a submission you get when your opponent has exhausted them, themselves. The arm triangle being another. You, you, you do get them being technically superior on the ground, but I just see it so often where... That's the exhaustion submission. If it's not like in the first couple minutes right. of the fight. Right. right. Yeah. You've just worn your opponent down. Um, because we've seen somebody with their opponent have their back for an entire round yeah. and, and not get tapped out. Like if you have your wits about you and you're not tired, yeah, you're not necessarily going to get submitted in that position, even though it's the dominant position. But when you're tired and you've been beat up and, and your head's breathing maybe heavy, not like working and, completely because yeah. you've been hit, you've been seeing birds and stars fly around and stuff, you know, then, then yes, it becomes a lot easier to, to choke somebody out from the very position. Yeah. Yeah. No, amazing, amazing fight. Um, could be candidate for fight of the year so far. It was a, it was such an entertaining fight. Yeah, I loved it. 
Um, yeah, and then uh, Gamera getting the decision win over Jalen Turner was surprising. <laughs> I mean, some of the scores were surprising in, in that, I feel like. <laughs> That's true. Somebody That's has true. it Somebody has it 29-28 for Turner. Somebody else has it 30-27 for Gamera. They're not watching the same fight. Right? Or or is it the 10-point must system? I mean, we can get into that debate over and over again, but you know what I'm saying? If you edge a fighter one way here and one way there, then when the scorecards come out, it looks like one fighter was dominant the other time, the other fighter was dominant the other time, and it could have just been those edges of how you see it. Right, and so you're you're right. I do do think that's more an indictment of that 10-point must system because you've got round one, super close, razor thin. Yep. Um, and then, you know, one judge gives it to Gamrot, one judge gives it to Turner. But round two, total domination for Gamrot uh, over Turner, but it's still a 10-9 round. Exactly. So now he's up two rounds, but he's even on the other scorecard, exactly. right? And with only three rounds. And if you saw that first one, if you edged it a little bit for him, then it looks like he's been dominant the whole time exactly. when that's not the whole exactly. story of the fight. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a little more controversy. Bo Nickel making his UFC debut. What did you... Did you... I didn't see the controversy in that. And, no. I, and I think the commission even went back and we watched the tape and they're like, no, we're not seeing it either. I mean, and that could just be because UFC owns the commission and they're like, no, you got to go out and you got to make this statement. That, that could totally be. But I didn't see it live either. And they, and they did the replay and I didn't and I didn't see it there either. I just I, I felt like that's a sacrificial lamb situation. No one in there. No one. Even Jamie Pickett, I think, going in there was like, yeah, Jamie's going to win this fight. Like that was set up for. Bo to get his first win in the UFC and you know and, and Bo needs to get some experience yeah so you can't throw him in the deep end yet you yeah. gotta give him some fights like this yeah and I don't remember who it is there have somebody that that is call that was calling out Bo Nickel that wants to fight him or something like that and he's like that would be like putting him in the deep end which the UFC's not gonna do with with people with that no, no uh with people like him Patty Pimlet, Sean O'Malley, they really kind of prefer to take their time than mm-hmm. to like throw them right in there because they've done that before and it hasn't panned out for them. Um, but I was laughing because, you know, what you said as far as the UFC owning the commission, not because it's funny, but because <laughs> it's funny because it's it's pretty much true. Because it's true. I mean, they're supposed <laughs> yeah. to be a state commission that is overseen by the state. They're not supposed to be so under mm-hmm. the umbrella of the promotion. But, I mean, when the UFC has the kind of money it does and puts on the kind of shows it does, preferential treatment, given the, you know, bringing in the kind of money that it does to the states, to wherever they have their events, yeah. where everybody pours into. Yeah. I mean, who has the gold makes the rules kind yeah, of thing. That's the golden rule right there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um the other highlight I wanted to point out on this card would be the um, Dricus Duplessis fight. Yes. Um, taking it to Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson's a game fighter. He's turned away a lot of other hype machines mm-hmm. and up-and-comers. And, uh, yeah, I mean, look out for look out for Dricus. And that was even a corner stoppage. I, they even actually threw in the towel on They that threw in one. the towel, yeah. yeah. It had ended. The round had ended. Mm-hmm. And, like, as it was ending, the towel came in. Yep. And the ref was stopping to see if Brunson was still in it because he had landed – uh, Duplessis had landed a ground and pound strike coming down. Yeah, it was like, was he in his guard? I think he was in Brunson's guard mm-hmm. and he hit him and you could tell Brunson was just like not there. So yep. the ref was over him looking at him, didn't even see the towel. And mm-hmm. then they had to be like, look, they've already thrown in the towel. So it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it was a great fight. Um, I thought that the Garbrandt um, went in <laughs> over Jones. I thought that that was um, oh, pr- pretty good. Now, now, 
The right. last round, Jones was really putting it on Garbrandt. Let's be honest, right? Third round, he he was he was, you know, Garbrandt was just trying to survive in that in the third round. But the first two rounds, he looked a lot more like the old Garbrandt as far as um, sticking, moving, um, having you know that the footwork, being able to do that that kind of thing. I was really impressed with you know him being able to still show that kind of level of um, technical ability and speed given all of his losses and so I was already like wow this is crazy and then we got to the third round and Trevin Jones was just like I'm fucking done playing footsie and was going after him and then I was like oh Garbrandt's about to get knocked out he didn't and he won the fight so I mean kind of an experience kind of win there uh, so and I came away from that fight with the comp- a completely different um, p- point of view so Trevin Jones didn't even fight those first two rounds. He literally only landed or maybe even attempted like four significant strikes in the first two rounds. That's not somebody that came to fight. Um, you want to talk about fights that I feel like might be works or might be scripted. That's what I see in that fight. They were like, Hey, Cody Garbrandt's a former champ. We, we need to get a win. And we all know if you touch Garbrandt's chin, he's, he's going to sleep. Yeah. So you really just can't throw anything. And so, and that's what it looked like to me. And then, and I feel like Trevin was just like, well, this is going to drop my stock too much. So I at least have to, in the third round, make it look like I ain't no chump. And because as soon as he actually started throwing something, he was winning. And he just literally did not mount any offense. And not because Cody Garbrandt just had so much and was taking it to him. Because Garbrandt wasn't super active either. You could tell he was gun shy. You could tell he was tentative. Um, so no, I was not impressed with anything about that fight. And, <laughs> and no. yeah, it's interesting how like, you know, you can both watch the same thing and see something different. I do see the point that you're making. I don't think that Trevin was, um, really trying to engage within the first couple of rounds. I think, I mean, he was, he did, he did attempt to engage, but you could tell that in the third round, once he was ready to fight, it was a completely different story than the two rounds that had happened before that. If he had been that way through the first two rounds, we probably wouldn't have even made it to the third round. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, no, I, I agree. I do agree with that. But the one thing about it, um, that I was, that I was going to say is that, um, how much of it do you think is like fighting somebody like Garbrandt, like being Trevin Jones and fighting somebody with such a name and the rest of it do you think maybe he paid him too much respect if and by this, the time it got to the third round he was like okay now i'm ready to fight i mean it's no i i i, I don't i think that could totally be the case yeah, yeah but no i i don't i don't think that i mean if this were garbrandt three years ago i could see you making a good case for that but you're about ready to step into the octagon with somebody that's been knocked out five times in their last five fights. <laughs> and they even went down a weight class and still got knocked the fuck out. Yeah, which and wasn't you, a good move. And you're not even going to attempt. You're not even going to try and bum rush him and try and catch something. Like, I just I just don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't see that, man. I know, I know, I know. And, you know, like you said, the when he... When Garbrandt moved down in weight, especially after already being chinny at like a weight that's more natural to him, mm-hmm. I was like, that's not a good move. And no. it wasn't a good move, no. you know? Um, so, yeah, so interesting. Um, you know, I thought that there was already something in the water for the judge's decisions when we got, to, when we were watching the Rougeau uh, Hibas fight. <laughs> yeah. Because. Um, I thought, yeah. I thought you could you could have gone either way. Like by judging it, it right, could have really right. gone either way. But as far as damage, I mean, Hebez's face was like mm-hmm. swelled up 
and messed up, and it looked like Arujo had got the better of the mm. damage throughout the fight. So I was like, looks like Arujo won the fight, and yeah. then they ended up giving it, you know, um, unanimous decision to Hebos, and I was like, dude, she got fucked up. So yeah, that's and that's. And that's a big thing. I feel like you and me are both on the same page when it comes to quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd both prefer quality. Yeah. I mean, and, and you got to use extreme examples. Like, let's say, you know, fighter A and fighter B, round one, fighter A lands 20 strikes, fighter B only lands one, but it drops him and almost finishes the fight. He still gets that round, in my opinion. I know that that might not be how the judges are told to score, but you were. You did far more damage. You were far more close to um, ending the fight. And that's technically, in my opinion, overall better effective striking, right. which is one of the you know, guidelines for, for judging. So that's just how I see it. Right. So I, so I agreed with you. I thought um, Arugiao should have should have taken that fight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, the other fight that I wanted to talk about was just the Ian Gary um song Kanan fight mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. great fight I thought yep. Yep. um and I thought it was really back and forth until the last round when Gary was able to um get the finish but um yeah hats off to both those guys you know if if you didn't get a chance to watch it cuz it was on the early prelims you should have definitely go watch it again it was a fucking banger uh, I like Machado a lot <clears throat> um I'd like to see him go places in his division um song Keenan was was way game those you know those asian fighters whether you're chinese whether you're um japanese they're so tough yeah they're, they're just they're tough they're just Warrior fighters spirit. They, they really yep. are yep. um but yeah so good fight happy to see ian gary get the win happy to see him get the finish because like you said with the way the judging was going that that <laughs> that event you never like you never know so <laughs> you know you might as well just like cut a chicken's head off and let it dance around to yeah. see who wins you know <laughs> yeah. um yeah, yeah. Um, and then the very last thing was just the woman's straw, straw weight bout on the early prelims. Uh, Jessica Penne getting submitted by Tabitha Ricci. What a nasty armbar that was. Nasty armbar. Yeah, was, was, nasty armbar. Awesome. Good fight. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I would like to see Tabitha Ricci go far in this yep. division. And and uh, she's super cute, too. Yeah. She's, she's a cutie. <laughs> she's a cutie. She is. She is. Agree. All right. So that's 285. Let's jump um, a little bit back to UFC Fight Night 220. Um, kind of interesting fight card. Um, the only time that I can really remember, at least in recent history, where as the main card started, the main event was canceled. Yeah, I. And, and, and yeah, and I, I don't know if it was. During COVID, I think we had a couple because if you tested positive for COVID, you, you couldn't fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, it's usually the night before mm-hmm. when someone's trying to rehydrate from a bad weight cut. Early that morning when they have to go to the hospital kind exactly, of thing. They exactly. get the, U, the IV but, and they have to cancel But this it. was like, I mean, there had, there had been a couple of fights yeah. already before No, no, no. We were going this. into the main card and literally the yeah. main card started and they're like, so we don't have them. So our main event got taken. I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and and I was bummed out because um, that was a fight I really wanted to see. Yeah. We did end up getting to see it on a later card, which mm-hmm. is good. And I'm glad everyone was healthy enough to reschedule that so soon. Um, but yeah, that is crazy. That's that's probably the latest main event loss that um, I can remember. That I, that I can think of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. in any promotion, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, let's talk about the main event. 
uh, Andre Munez versus Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen. I can't say enough good things about Brendan Allen. Yeah. And I really like both these fighters. No, me too. So, yeah. Munez looked like when it came out in the beginning, it looked like he was um, getting the better of Allen in the first round, I would say, with the striking and he stuff. He was. Yeah, yeah, he was. And Allen was like, like pretty much like fuck you like you know i'm not fucking going out like that and just Mm -hmm. started to pour it on him and ended up getting him with the submission after he beat him up and dropped him with the stand-up so yeah so uh, you know on the surface brendan allen submitting andre munez huge feather in your cap right because munez is one of those submission aces like that's that's his but it wasn't a grappling match but it wasn't a grappling match so when you look at it in context you see yes andre munez was winning the striking early in that fight so as i'm watching the fight unfold i'm like man brendan allen might not have a chance in this fight because i don't think he's winning it on the ground and he's losing the stand-up but his top game man yep like when he did get it down there yeah he he worked it and like that was I was really impressed with yeah, that. Yeah, and he, you know, it just goes to show the heart that Allen has because he was getting beat up in that first round and to just flip that switch and come back, it's like you can't count somebody like that out, you know? You just can't, yep. you know? Yep. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. There were some other great fights. Uh, my girl. Suarez came back. Came, yes, yes, she did. She looked really good, especially against somebody like Montana, uh, uh, Montana De La Rosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked really, really good. I was really happy to see that she still looked next level. Her grappling game, her overall skills still look like she's at a level above the majority of those in her division. Yep. Really excited to see where she goes next. Yeah, I'm happy to see somebody come off a long layoff and have a performance like that. Yeah. No, that's yeah, nothing but nothing but happiness for Tatiana. Yeah. And then uh the first fight of the main card was a fight between um two Canadians, um Mike Malott won in the first round, and I've heard a lot of uh talk um afterwards is Mike Mulat the next face of Canada because Canada is a big fighting um, nation. They really don't have anybody to put their, um, you know, uh, their their fan favorite, right? Mm -hmm. They've had a lot. They had Mm -hmm. GSP, Rory McDonald, Patrick Cote. They've had, you know, a lot. They've had a lot of uh, great fighters throughout the time, um, throughout MMA's history. But right now it's kind of lacking. And this guy has been able to win some fights together. And then we had this Canadian versus Canadian for who's like the contender. And then there's been a lot of talk of... Mike Mallott sense. So, like, what would you take away from the fight? What do you think about him becoming the face of Canada MMA? What do you think? I think being the face of Canadian MMA is is tough because it's not like you're Irish or English or, you know, Brazilian. Like, it's, it's so close to being an American, it's hard to distinguish. Like, if you hadn't told me Mike Mallott was Canadian, I wouldn't have known he was Canadian. <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, it's, it's hard to tell um, sometimes. And... If he ends up winning a couple more fights, I'd like to see him get a step up in competition um, because, yeah, he, he absolutely could be. But that's a tough division. Yeah. It's a real tough division. It's real stacked up, up there yeah. at the top. Um, so we're going to have to see how he does um, fighting the, the top guys. Plus, you do have to be good on the mic yeah. too. Like You do have to be able to promote yourself at some point and not something all Canadians are, are good at. They or, tend to be you're right. real soft-spoken yeah. individuals. So um, so we'll, we'll see. Yeah, or you have to be so bad that when you say something, it becomes iconic 
like GSP. A la GSP. <laughs> so, you can, you yeah. can handle the rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm not impressed um, by your performance. Yeah, no. As far as I'm concerned with it, um, I think it's a little too early to tell, even though he has had multiple first-round stoppages um, mm-hmm. in his career. So he does have the the momentum that could gain that. I think that Canada's really starving for it right now, and maybe that's why the push is for it. I agree. Um, so we'll have to see how, how it goes, but another great fight and a great performance by him. So, um, yeah, was there anything on the undercard that really stood out to you? Um, no. I mean, O'Day ended up getting the win over uh, Charles Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an interesting fight. O'Day, you know, he's I just see I see a lot of potential with O'Day Osborne, mm-hmm. but he's not one of those guys like is he going to put everything together every time he steps out there? I I I'd, I'd like to see it. Um he did get the win at 220, but uh we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um all right. So, moving on to one on Prime 7. What uh what an event this was. This was the Lineker Andrade Great, two. great fight card. Um, yeah, great I mean, there's card. a lot to that. There was a lot to, that happened here. Uh, where do you want to start? Well, I want to start with the <clears throat> semi patch Vertex. Okay. Um, the the bantamweight kickboxer. He okay. got a great. He got a great win over a great opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, unanimous decision. Yep. Great fight. I love those. Yeah. I love those one kickboxing Muay Thai fights, man. Yeah. And they're, this they're was fireworks. a decision that I felt was justified. Sometimes oh, we sure. talk about yeah. them not being. That one was definitely yeah. the way I saw it, too. So. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, but uh, the featherweight Muay Thai uh, championship, that was... Um, a little bit anticlimactic, but still pretty impressive. The, <laughs> I, I mean, like the first leg kick he throws out there, and the guy eats it and <laughs> immediately cannot continue. Yeah, yeah, it just that's just how nasty um, his leg kicks are. I mean, he's and and Jamal Yusupov was a game opponent. Like he's he's good. He yeah. deserved every right to be in the ring, but sometimes when you land that perfect shot, I mean, he knew he couldn't continue. Yeah, exactly. Um... Yeah, crazy that that happened um, on two cards that we're going to talk about yep, here. Yep. Um, you don't really see it a lot, but yeah, the main event, uh, the featherweight rematch, Andrade and Lineker, that looked really good. I thought Lineker looked a lot more game oh, yeah. in this fight. Oh, yeah. I thought that he wanted to win, and mm-hmm. Andrade was, you know, still not going to, um, you know, move off of his stance and they battled and i think just lineker's been in the game for you know longer he's taken more punishment he's older Mm -hmm. and he just you know couldn't hold up as it got further along i mean it looked like it was really close for most of the fight until we got into um the fourth round and then yeah the most the most surprising thing for me in that fight was i didn't think Lineker was going to be able to find his shot as often as he did he in did. that fight. And yeah. he did. Yeah. So credit to Andrade, or Andrade, however one yeah. you want to pronounce that, because he had to eat some big some, shots some big in order shots. to get that yeah. win. Yeah, it No, exactly. It wasn't like he played defense, it was boring, and just outpointed him. Like, no, he had to actually fight. He had to go in there, and he had to, he had to eat some nasty ones in order to get the win in that. Yeah. No, hats off to Lineker for, you know, coming in there and, showing the old form of Lineker and, and, and being able to too. Yeah, I mean, being able to land that left and yeah. yeah, exactly. Like just really, really put it on him. I thought I thought there were a couple of rounds where he was I had given Lineker the the round because mm-hmm. of the damage that he was yep. putting on Andrage. But Andrage was still there the whole time and 
at the end, Lineker just couldn't continue, yep. you know? Yep. Um, another fight I wanted to talk about was the Martin Wynn versus yep. uh, Leonardo Castelli. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a pretty great fight. I I really didn't have, you know, much to go on before then, but, man, Martin Wynn is a fucking – that dude is something different. Really He's, excited to see yeah. him fight next, yeah. Um, wasn't a guy just like you that was really on my radar. Um before this fight uh but he certainly is now yeah and yeah exciting fighter can't wait to see him fight again and hopefully they give him a a high-ranking matchup because i think he deserves it no exactly and you know um like we talked about before just the warrior spirit a lot of those kind of things because he was taking it was a challenge in the beginning he Mm -hmm. had to overcome that Mm -hmm. um against leonardo and then after that it was he just couldn't keep up um leonardo couldn't keep up with wins so yeah it was a great card all right, uh, where do you want to go next? We got a lot to talk about. Where do you want to go? We got a lot. You want to st- go back to Bellator? Back to Bellator. So, Bellator, uh, the first event that they had held was 291. Mm-hmm. Um, Amasov versus Storley. Uh, what do you think about it? First fight was a really good fight. Um, I feel like the first fight was closer than this fight was. Um, Amasov, I think, got a clean sweep, and that's pretty much how I saw it. Not that Sterling didn't have his moments, but um, yeah, Amasov proved why he's the welterweight champ over there in Bellator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I thought that you know, um, in the not co-main, but the fight before it, um, Jeremy Kennedy versus Pedro Cavallo, I really thought that. Uh, Cavallo was going to show um, a lot more than he did, mm-hmm. and that was just a credit to uh, Jamie Kennedy and how well-rounded he was um, and his skills, um, being able to really, you know, keep the fight in his wheel well and just, you know, be able to really make it so that Pedro wasn't even really a threat to him. You right, know, I right. was really impressed by that because this guy is a newer fighter, um, doesn't have the level of experience that mm-hmm. Pedro has. hasn't fought the kind of opponents. So I was I was really impressed by that. Not, I mean, it was a decision win, but at the same time, it just speaks levels about where this guy's at right now. It does, and and Carvalho's got skills. He's a very skilled fighter. Um, but going back to your point earlier, uh, this is a testament to fighter IQ. Yeah, right. He knew exactly where to put Pedro to keep himself out of harm's way and to do the most damage to pedro mm-hmm. nope i agree i agree so was there anything else on that card that caught your eye uh sinead o'connor getting the win over janae harding <laughs> i'm just kidding sinead kavanaugh i just can't help myself um yeah i mean that that was uh i thought that was a good fight um i don't know a lot about janae harding to know where her level's at so i can't say like how much that win is worth but um i'd like to see sinead work her way up the featherweight um, I know that uh, Bellator still has the rights to Cyborg, right? Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. So I if mean, she can, yeah, get a couple more. I mean, I don't know. How you want to see an execution? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I like watching Cyborg fight. <laughs> I, I also enjoy you know. watching Cyborg fight. Um, yeah. Um, the only other fight I was going to talk about was the um, nasty um, elbow KO to the ground from Bryce Logan to Peter Quilly. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, that yeah. was a. Uh, that was uh, yep, pretty yep. nasty. I so forgot about that. Yeah, hats off to him. Yep. Uh, Bellator 292. Uh, Bellator kicked off their lightweight Grand Prix, World Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, uh, pretty amazing card. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, out of this card and the UFC fight night that took place the same weekend, I thought that this card outshined that card. Um, yep. Great card. Yeah, I agree. Um, the <clears throat> the first one for me that really uh, caught my attention because I was just kind of watching it and be like, yeah, it's, it's fights. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. But that Enrique Barsola and Eric Perez fight, I thought oh, that wow. was I thought that was a great fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was a really good way to set the tone, especially yep. before the main card. I've watched both these guys fight the, the past couple of years. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. Me neither. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, a great fight. If you get a chance to go back and watch the highlights in that fight, please do. That was a great fight. Yep. No, exactly. Um, and then um, we can't not talk about the other leg kick yeah. finish first uh-huh. leg kick uh mvp just um blowing out yamamuchi's kneecap kind yeah, of total, pushing the total blowout kind of pushing the kneecap into the the top of the calf there yeah um nasty but yamamuchi acting like it was no big deal thumbs up everything's good just got to push this kneecap back well, in well there's the warrior spirit I right? know. it's like I know. they're so stoic about it too like they almost don't know how to show pain yeah it's really interesting that whole that that goes back to the whole the samurai thing like they just i mean they could be dying and you wouldn't know it just to look at their face yeah you know yeah no and what i really enjoyed about that wasn't just the stoppage because the stoppage was crazy it was even more dramatic than the other leg kick um that we talked about it was yeah. but um i liked how afterwards mvp was so um, you know, respectful, ta- up talking how much, you know, he was a fan of Yamuchi. He was looking forward to this fight. They'll be able to fight again. I mean, cause he knew the level of skill that Yamamuchi was bringing into the fight. He mm-hmm. knew, you know, that it was probably going to be whoever could execute their game better. Um, yeah, and yeah. you know, and he knew that he won, but at the same time wasn't, you know, overshadowing the fact of how much of a threat Yamamuchi really was. It's just, you know, sometimes you get that kick right underneath the muscle and it just tears out the, yeah. the you know, cap, and that's how it worked out. So, I, I, Yeah, we've seen people wrap their shins around other people's legs. Like, so, like sometimes it happens. This is a full-contact sport, and, and it does happen. I did see um, an after-show interview with Paige, and, and they asked him about his reaction. He was like, that, he's like, that totally took it out of me. Like, yeah. well, like, watching that whole sequence go down and seeing his kneecap, he's like, that's that so took it out of me. You know, he's like, I had no, I had no ability to fight after seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds interesting coming from the guy that, <laughs> that just did that. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was great. Um, Lynn Vassell looking amazing. Yep. Um, yep. you know, taking on Valentine Moldovsky. Um, mm-hmm. I was favoring Moldovsky to win in this fight. I thought that not that Lynn Vassell was going to be easy or anything like that. It's just that I thought that, you know, Moldovsky was, headed up kind of we talk about you know yep. the ups Ascend. and the downs yep. and i thought that moldovsky was on his way up lynn vassell has been at the top of the heavyweight division for multiple years didn't think that he really had much to offer um in the fight or really against bader and he fucking shut me up he came out there and and he did it quick yeah and put he, it he on him it and knocked him out mm-hmm. um with elbows to the mountain and it was it was nasty mm. so yeah so i was i was yeah mad props to lynn vassell i've been a fan of his um, for a long time, but just like you, I thought Mold- Moldovsky was the next one up, the mm-hmm. next man up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, in the uh, 
headline fight or whatever, co-main event, however you want to say it, the other uh, lightweight Grand Prix fight that took place. Um, we had um, Musavev from Ryzen coming mm-hmm. in as their one fighter in this tournament. And I was really looking forward to seeing that guy. Um, I was really hoping to see him, you know, get further along in the tournament. But uh, Chablai, um was able to, you know, um, just keep control of it and um, took him out in the third round with the kick to the body. Uh, not maybe the most entertaining fight, but still, I didn't really know much about Alexander before this fight. I was favoring um, Musevev. Mm-hmm. Uh, heavily and so for him to take out who I thought was the dark horse of the tournament I was like okay like pretty interesting and then we got to the main event and that's kind of you know how I, we all expected at least that's on some some level so yeah I'm I'm always impressed with uh body shot TKOs mm-hmm. I, that's always impressive to me I still think to to this day there's too many headhunters um you've got to be able to mix up your strikes and hit other target areas of your opponent's body and yeah, so I'm always I'm always happy. I'm always impressed to see um, a body shot like that take somebody out. Yeah, and um, after the main event, um, Nurmagomedov getting the rear naked choke over Benson Henderson in the first round. Um, Benson Henderson, legend, you know, pioneer of uh, maybe the lighter weight divisions yeah. in MMA. Former um, UFC champ, yeah, former exactly. Strike Force champ. Yep, um, known for probably not only um beating frankie edgar taking the title from him in the ufc maybe more so known for taking the famous pettis yeah off the side of the thing (laughs) off the side of the cage um but then also um the fighter that was also known for fighting with a toothpick in his mouth notoriously where Mm -hmm. they would you know how Mm -hmm. he just had to have a toothpick in even though it was hazardous you know by all and, means for fighting with a, a piece of wood, a small piece of wood being able to be in your mouth, he would constantly do it. And then after the fight, as soon as they as soon as the fight was over, he'd take out his mouthpiece and have his toothpick there and they'd be like, You you fought with it the whole time? I think he had to have you know, tucked it into the fucking side of the mouthpiece as opposed to just like bobbing mm-hmm. around in the throat. But at the same time, whatever, um, it, you know, a legend and uh, he mm-hmm. ended up retiring. So uh yeah, nothing but props and respect to Benson. Yeah, and another Nurmagomedov to keep our eye on. Um, we'll see how he fares with, you know, the next the next bracket in the tournament. But uh, I, I'm pretty sure he's the favorite to win it. So yeah, yeah, he is, and the current champion. He is the current champion. But that's the nice thing about these Bellator tournaments is, yeah, you might be the champ, but you got to go through the bracket like everybody <laughs> yeah. else, man. And you got to defend that title yep. over and over again. Yep. So because you could even beat him, win the title, and still have to continue to fight in the tournament. Yep. You know, yep. it's not over till it's over. Yep. Um, yeah, really interested to see how that turns out. So great, great event from Bellator. Great way to kick off the World Grand Prix this year. Really excited to see how that turns out. Let's jump into um, BKFC 36. Bare knuckle fighting. Yeah, um, this was from Louisiana. Um, and we're going to talk about more about bare knuckle fighting later, but this this has become a monster. Yeah, it is. It's every, it seems like every time we get together to talk about fights, it's just like definitely when we talk about having the momentum pushing upwards, they're just, 
and, and as a whole, the promotion is making those changes. We talked about at, B, at uh, Knuckle Mania three how their production and how the show value mm-hmm. had gone yep. up, how yep. it was how it was more closely a visual product of the one and something that was like a UFC where it looks professional. Like it doesn't yeah. just look and feel like this, like archaic type of fighting promotion. Um, and then with this, you know, uh, the main event, uh, the way the whole card played out, including the main event. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for BKFC and what, what's going to happen with, yep. with all their cards. Yep. Yeah. Excited to see more, um, BKFC in the future. Um, and we'll talk about that more later. But right now, for 36, uh, yeah, I know there's some other fights we want to talk about, but Alan the Talent Belcher, man. I mean, that's the main – yeah, that was the main – there was some other fights I wanted to see on this card, but that was the one, being a fan of this guy in his UFC career yeah. and being able to do everything he's done. We talked at length about that last time on the preview for this, so we don't need to reiterate about all that but really wanted to see how he would stack up against Adams. Adams coming in, showing why he was the champ, yep. dropping yep. Belcher, yep. Uh, fucking almost ending the fight. I yeah. mean, we're talking really close. Yeah. He dropped him twice, and the second time Belcher got up, he barely made the count, and then he fucking knocked him out. Yeah, Just Belcher's, fucking crazy. Belcher's tough. He's, he's gotten big, and and he, he did. I, it was, I think it was his toughness that allowed him to get through all that and – and stay focused. And stay keep focused his poise. and get the win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like like you said, especially that second knockdown, coming back from Ugh. that and being able to, you know, knock it knock yep. down for a third time and be able to mount enough offense to get your own win. Yeah, so super impressed. I was like, I mean, these events, the way that they're the main events play out, I fucking like almost lose my shit now every time we have <laughs> know, one of these. Man. I'm like, what the know. fuck is that gonna? I it's know. like it's like it's like when you're seeing it happen, you're like, what would be the most crazy thing that could happen right now? That's what it would be, and then that's what happens. <laughs> that's what it's happens. like, how the fuck is that possible? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the last one, I still can't get over that one punch knockout. Yeah. From, from the guy Hunt. that had, from, yeah, from yeah. the guy that had just been knocked down yeah. and barely got a yeah, standing over Richmond. Count. I know. That, that was, was fucking amazing. I know. Just, and then to see, like, something that was really reminiscent, if not even more, even not, uh, more so a uh, crazy comeback because he got knocked down twice and almost got fucking knocked out. Yep. I mean, he was bleeding. He oh, looked, yeah. fu- I mean, yeah. he, I was like, fuck i was like damn belcher's not gonna make it out of this one and then fucking he knocked him out i was just like get the fuck out of here are you (laughs) kidding me right now so awesome i know so these pure entertainment these bkse events are just pure entertainment man. they are they are and it looks like that's where it's headed i mean the future of it is very bright so Uh, yeah we will we will get into all of that but uh any other fights uh stick out to you on this card um lily over taylor was Mm -hmm. was a good fight Mm -hmm. liked watching that um i was gonna say i didn't really know either one of these guys um, by name or by face Um, but yeah happy I got to see that fight Um, they just you know beat the shit out of each other yeah well and I was really impressed because Taylor looked a lot more he was um, the bigger dude the muscular dude Mm -hmm. he looked like you know maybe more of the threat Lily kind of looked like an everyman Mm -hmm. and you know it's one of those things where um, with Taylor having all that muscle takes a lot of oxygen. So if you keep the fight going as the rounds continue on, it's harder for them to keep the pace for them to stay in yeah. it and the rest of it. Yep. And Lily just continued to, you know, be game and, and mount his offense and then ended up, you know, um, yeah, getting the, uh, getting the win in the, in the, in the end. And I was like, wow, that that's awesome. So yeah, that's what I 
that was also the fight that stuck out to me the yeah. most. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'd I'd be happy to see either one of those guys fight again because I know Taylor's good and he's he's good for a, a throwdown. So either next time I see either of those guys' names on the card, I'm gonna be stoked. Yeah, exactly. We had UFC Fight Night two twenty one. What do you think about that? So the card <clears throat> overall, uh, I thought I thought it was a really good one. Um, I thought it benefited from that main event, Krylov and Span being moved from its own main event yeah, to this fight mm-hmm. that kind of made it a stronger card. And that ended up being, um, a good fight too. Um, I mean, yeah, there was a few I really wanted to talk about cause I thought, I thought it was really good. Um, so Victor Henry over Tony gravely, um, that was one of the fights I wanted to see a lot because both of these guys could be somebody mm. um, down there at Bantamweight. And, and I thought, I honestly thought gravely would be the one to take it. Um, but but Victor Henry um, was able to get the split decision. Um, I mean, he's a good looking fighter. He's got high output. He's accurate. You know, gravely being the power puncher um, and the stronger of the two. It really was. It really was close. I don't think there's an actual loser um, in that fight. But Henry did get the split decision victory, and I was happy for him. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, that was a great fight. Uh, the Davy Grant versus yeah. Rafael Sunsau. Yeah. What a great fight that was. That's real impressive. Um, I, yeah. Putting somebody away like Rafael Asuncio, um in any way. Yeah, but is, especially by submission. But especially by submission. Like I mean, the, especially by inverted triangle. Yeah, yeah, inverted triangle. And when you're pretty much considered like the heavy-handed striker yeah. out of the two, yeah. you know? I mean, yeah, when... He had went for a submission right before that, and I was like, oh, he put his submission on. And then I was like, no way. He's going to do the inverted triangle. And then he fucking put him to sleep with it. And I was like, I was, yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I know it was Rafael Asuncion's last fight, and he was retiring. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want that to take anything away from Davy Grant's performance. Asuncion had good moments in that fight. No, yeah. He looked like he was game for the fight. I mean, it was, it was a good back and forth fight. It yeah. wasn't just Davy Grant's, you exactly. know, outshining. He, he came to win. Um, but that's why I think we'll see Davy Grant climb the ranks here um, yeah. a lot higher real soon. And yeah, yeah, especially if he's going to be a threat like that with his mission. He was already a threat with his hands. Yep. Now he's going to be a threat with this mission. I mean, I mean, I don't see out. him getting another uh, inverted triangle, but but just the fact that you had that in your bag of tricks somewhere to pull out when yeah. you're in that position, yeah. that's impressive. Um, and then I was also impressed by uh, Josh Fremd. Which, right. uh, which I thought was hilarious, both Fremd and Dumas for, I don't know, just their names. When I was watching <laughs> it, I was like, man, this is a crazy <laughs> fight. But, uh, yeah, um, Fremd looked really tough and was able to uh, get the submission win over Dumas. Um, yeah, just a great performance by him. Um, also, the Tyson Nam-Bruno Silva fight. Um, I knew who Tyson Nam was Me too. when they said he was fighting, uh, Bruno Silva. I was like, holy shit, Bruno Silva is jumping down to flyweight. Cause there's also the Bruno Silva that fights at middleweight. And I was like, Douglas to Andrade. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, oh man, that's, that's crazy. Douglas and the Silva, that's right. Okay. Yeah. And so I was like, that's crazy. Um, that he's jumping down to flyweight. It seems like there should have been something else besides just, and See. then he walked in and I'm like, dude, that's not the same dude. And then he walked into, uh, 
ACDC's TNT. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, is this dude a bot? Like, like he has the name of another fighter. He has the walkout of another fighter. Uh, the walkout he's, song. He's a creative fighter. I was like, what? Yeah, I was like, what is going on here? And um, <laughs> no, nah, he came out there to fucking scrap, um, put it on Tyson Nam. Ended up getting the submission in the second round. Um, just looked really good. And I was like, okay, well. Fucking this bot's here to fucking scraps. So. Yeah, and I and I thought Tyson Nam was gonna win. I liked I liked Tyson Nam, uh, but no, he did not. No, um, yeah, I was uh, also impressed to see um, Lipsky get the unanimous decision over Aldridge. Not that the decision went her way, but just the fact, I guess, that ever since Aldridge lost to Blanchfield, um, she really hasn't been able to regain. Um, you know, any mm-hmm. resemblance of her former momentum mm-hmm. in climbing the ranks. And I really thought with this fight, we were going to see some of that. And it just didn't, you know, that didn't materialize. Uh, Lipsky was able to, um, you know, um, outpoint her or whatever you want to say, keep the fight in, in um, her control. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Um, whenever you see that kind of stuff happen, you always think back kind of like what we talked about with Garbrandt um, earlier where a fighter has a loss and then they may not be able to get back from that while the fighter that they lost to just takes the momentum and continues to rise. So, um, yeah, that was also a a notable fight. Well, and I think with MMA fighters, there's a a unique um, mental paradigm they have to have where in order to do this for a living, you you have to believe you're the best. You know, even if you're like 26 and 10, you've got 10 losses, you still have to think you're the best. Otherwise, how do you motivate yourself to get in there and keep and keep fighting and keep competing with that confidence? Yeah. And and I think that's what happened um, to Aldrich. I think she's lost that confidence, and I think I think she needs to find a way to get it back, whether that's a sports psychologist or you know um, a, a tune-up win or whatever that is. But you can see the body language of a fighter once that confidence has left them. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, they, you know, it goes back to that whole discussion of how much of the game is mental and definitely the entire game is mental, but, Mm -hmm. um, uh, more so than the physical, but, uh, there was also uh, another Nurmagomedov versus Martinez (laughs) fight. And, um, it's hard because there was a lot that's happened um, in between the last show that we had. But when I think back to this fight, um, I think it was questionable of whether or not Martins, Martinez won the fight, at least from my um, recollection of it. Do you mm. remember the fight? I, I, I do. And I, I remember being equally surprised, not because I thought Martinez didn't win the fight, but just based on how I had seen judging up to that point on mm. the card it just seemed contradictory to what they were scoring points for the, the judges at least, you yeah. know? And, yeah. and that's one of the things that is, is usually weird to see because usually, um, the scores will be consistent based on whatever area the judges seem to be focused on at that particular event. Um, but that was a real break from the way they had scored other fights up to that point. Yeah. The night. Yeah. And I'm a fan of both these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really interested to see how this played out. Um, yeah, I mean, really could have gone either way, even though it was a unanimous decision. Um, Nikita Krilov getting the submission over Ryan Spann. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of – we talked about it before. I know you were edging towards Spann. I was edging towards Krylov. I was. I, I really and, was, um, yeah. And, yeah, and, I mean, still wasn't expecting – I guess I was expecting maybe Spann to be more um, – 
have mount more offense yeah. in the fight. Oh, yeah. Um, but at the same time, Span is also kind of known for that. He's one of those fighters, like a lot of those other fighters that we like and, and some other fighters that we'll talk about later on, that um, really depends on which version shows up. Once again, it's a, it's that mental thing, right, you know? Right. And it seemed like in this fight, maybe he just like couldn't put it together and, and really wasn't like the Superman there, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I don't know. That's what I took away. Yeah. From. You know, Karlov's been around forever, it seems like, um, fighting at... at uh, that what is it, light heavyweight? They're they're light heavyweights, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. But but he's also fought at middleweight too. He has so, fought. He's he's been around for a long right. fucking time. That's what I'm saying. He, he he had been around for so long. You know, I was kind of going by that ascending fighter, descending fighter thing. Yeah. Like when you're around for so long, sometimes you just tend to not um, compete the way you used to. Uh, but that wasn't but that wasn't the case, no. and I, it ended up having to be a catch weight, probably because they didn't want both these guys to have to cut weight again so soon after doing it. And, and have to be pulled. Exactly. And there was some sort of thing with when they were doing the weight cut before the regaining, Krylov trying to regain the weight, some sort of sickness that happened. Mm-hmm. That was why it got pulled off before. Yep. So because this fight was, you know, only moved back a, co- a couple of weeks or pushed back a couple of weeks, I think that was probably one of the reasons for it being catchweight too, you know, right. so it didn't get bumped again. Yep, exactly. Um, Alexander Volkov getting the win, KO over Romanov looking good against a uh, up-and-coming contender. Um, after the fight, Volkov was talking talking about that he wants some rematches mm-hmm. over those that hey, he's lost to before. Um, I definitely get that. Definitely understand whenever you win a fight, you're, you really only think about... Um, you know, wanting to regain that which you lost and those that beat you, you know, mm-hmm. challenge those that beat you. Um, I don't know, though. I mean, he's lost to some people that, I mean, he's he's at the, he's towards the top, so we're going to end up probably seeing some rematches, but I don't, I don't know. Personally, I'd rather him, like, fight another fight against somebody up and coming or someone else because some of the people he's lost to, I really, I wouldn't favor Alexander to win in those fights, so... So I, and, and normally I would completely agree, uh, but I've I've seen so much change recently for Volkov. I've seen him put on a lot of weight. I've seen him get stronger, put on more muscle. I've seen him change up certain parts of his training, and even fight a little bit differently and fight smarter. So I'm I'm on his side there. Now heavyweight's not super deep. Um, there tends to be quite a few rematches in this division anyway. But um, but I, I, I do. I, w- I would agree. I think I might actually favor him rematching some of the people he's lost to. Um, I'm just looking at it. Um, Derek Lewis, who hasn't won a fight in forever, and Volkov was winning that fight before he got knocked out. So yeah. I could see that. Um, Tom Aspinall, who is another rising up-and-comer, and I know he got armbarred, but Aspinall's still kind of an unproven... Um, you know, UFC product doesn't have a whole lot of experience and had that injury when he was supposed to fight Curtis Blades. That fight didn't really get to take place because he got injured so early. So that's another one I might favor Volkov in. And even Cyril Gaon. Like, we've seen Cyril Gaon lose two fights in a row now. And if that's if that gets to somebody like Cyril Gaon, who's only been in MMA for three years and doesn't really feel like putting in the training necessary um, to overcome his weaknesses, I, I might, again, I might favor Volkov in a rematch in that fight too. So I, I do see where he's coming from. Yeah. 
Um, I really, I mean, yeah, Gon just lost his last fight. Um, to see him, to see Volkov, who's, you know, predominantly a striker, uh, go against Gon, I don't know. Um, I don't know if I would favor him in that. Um, the Aspinall fight, definitely, like you said. Um, Aspinall, who has a lot of hype behind him, he did. He didn't look good in his last fight, and so the jury's kind of out on whether or not, you know, he's going to be able to kind of live up to the potential that's um, in front of him. So maybe that would work out. The Blades fight, I really wouldn't want to see again. I think the Blades would probably just take him down and do, I think it would be a repeat of the last time they fought. But the Lewis fight makes sense. I don't really know what's going on with Derek Lewis. Um, he's kind of been on a skid lately. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it. I don't know. It may be, I'll be honest with you, I think it would be better for Derek Lewis to maybe not be to maybe there's other promotions out there that may fit his style and give him um, light at the end of the tunnel as he's getting older and nearing the end of his career. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see the knockout king, the black beast fight in some of these promotions where it's predominantly stand up, yeah. um, predominantly people punching each other in the face. Mm -hmm. You could draw your own conclusions of what I'm talking about, but that's but <laughs> yeah, but that's I think we're both on the same but, page there. But yeah, Why don't but, you take the gloves off. <laughs> but um, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, so uh, or Alistair Overeem, I would I would love to see Volkov versus Alistair Overeem again, but that's yep. not going to happen. No, um, not no. not at least in the UFC. No. And Overeem is on a year suspension yeah, for testing got, positive yeah. for steroids and kickboxing. Yeah, so. If you can believe that. I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I never. Not the Uber. That's the one. I know. That's the one guy. I never thought. Would yeah. Pop for steroids. I mean, if if he's on steroids, everybody's on fucking steroids. And, and if you're listening to this podcast and you're not picking up the sarcasm, then. <laughs> I, I uh, then you're probably you. not listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Probably don't know what we're talking about. So, okay. um, yeah. So, um, interesting all around. Um, and then the main event, which we didn't really talk about, uh, Marab really just, um, you know putting on a level of pace um, that Peter just couldn't keep up right. with. and um, So because we've talked about this or in the show, this is the question I want to pose to you about this particular fight. The difference in this fight, was it skill or was it fight IQ? Um, well, it was predominant. I mean, based on what happened, it was fight IQ, being able to, you know, outwit your opponent and continuously like push the pace on them and them not, you know, be able to really get their, their feet and be able to keep up with it. Um, you know, skill is a part of that, but I think more so than that, I think kind of, we had talked a little bit before the uh, podcast and, um, Jan really didn't look like himself in that fight and hasn't really lately. Um, and I think that maybe, it's a lack of motivation or some sort of mental thing with him as somebody who was so severely a threat, so aggressive, um, you know, for a long time, um, coming up in the UFC. Um, it just, I don't know. It felt like Marab got out in front and Jan just kind of just went with the motion and, um, and yeah. And so, uh, I mean, and it's not his first loss. I mean, he's on, he's on a skid now. Right. <clears throat> um, the whole fight, I'm I'm screaming at Jan to throw a knee, yeah. threaten with a knee, at least yeah. attempt the. It's something we've seen him do before yeah. to dissuade his opponents 
from going, going for, for takedowns. Take yeah, exactly. And I yeah. just was I just did not understand why it was so absent from this fight. When I know not only is it something that could work. If you're going to get taken down anyway, you might as well throw I know, the knee. I know. But we've seen him do it before. That's the thing. That was one of his moves to pick it up and just show it to you. Just be like, "No, there it is." Like, you know, are you are you, are you coming? You know, like, yeah. and I didn't see it at all. No, I know. And I think, like I said, I think it speaks to that same thing where <clears throat> the fighter themselves, um, second guessing themselves, mm-hmm. not really being present in the moment, um, not being able to rely on a lot of their abilities and skills that have gotten them to their, their mm-hmm. overall change in um, their appetite for the fight itself. All these things kind of rely back on the mental game and where it went wrong. And um, I know there was some interviews that we had talked about before where, you know, um, Sean O'Malley on his podcast had talked about um, that Peter Jan wasn't the same since his fight and that he had sort of taken something out of um, out of Jan. And the only thing that would make sense to me of what he took out of Jan would be the fact that he beat O'Malley and lost the decision. Mm-hmm. And that may have messed him up as sort of like, what's yeah. the point of all this now? Right. And so now he's just kind of collecting checks and not has that focus. Like I'm the best in the world. You know what I'm uh, saying? I think or or of, I can, yeah. I can't obtain that because yeah. even when I perform at that level, what's the point? No, you're right. I, I think there's a lot of evidence to support that. And, um, and you almost can't blame him for no. that when a high prof, high profile fight like that that you know you've won goes that way. Yeah, and that everybody else knows you won. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it was and yeah, I mean it was it, it was crazy. You know, um, so and the guy that you won now is like being considered like maybe the weigh in fighter for the title, and you're just like, what fucking planet do we live on? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I know. yeah, I mean yeah, it, it's hard for me, and I didn't yeah. even you know sacrifice or wasn't part of it that like he was. So mm-hmm. I mean. That makes sense to me, but at the same time, yeah, I mean, I really hope Jan's able to put it together because he's, when when he's on, I mean, he's such a threat. He's such a, just an aggressive, heavy boxer. He is. He's, just he's, uh, he's cold, he's calculating, and he, and he goes for the kill when he has the opportunity. Yeah, he's a fighter that you like to watch, for sure. So now let's get into the main card of UFC 286. Big pay-per-view card. Um, talked a little bit about it before the show. Uh, Leon Edwards retaining the title against Kamaro Kwa- <laughs> Usman. My bad. Marty. Had a little bit of a stroke there. Uh, yeah. Uh, Kamaro Usman. Um, yeah. So what do you think about it? Um, I thought it was a great card. Um, I was really stoked I got to see it live. <clears throat> Mad props to Leon Edwards. He fought a great fight. Um, Usman just didn't seem like the dominant fighter he used to be that we're used to seeing yeah. and and Edwards had an answer for everything and was landing good shots didn't really do anything to try and go for a finish but um probably didn't feel like he had to seeing as how he'd already knocked him out so yeah um no I agree I think he had a really good game plan uh worked it to perfection Usman also looked like uh he was maybe missing a step mm-hmm. um wasn't able to put it all together um yeah sort of maybe doubting himself um after that loss i think he looked really good don't get me wrong i'm not saying that he he didn't look good he looked good um but yeah i definitely sense that it didn't seem like that um you know sense of control and dominance that he's really had in um his prior fights was there even in their last fight so 
Right. It, it looked like because of the knockout, he had lost confidence in his hands. And because he didn't have confidence in his hands, he wasn't willing to get close enough to shoot takedowns as close as he used to. So he was shooting from a little bit further out and made it easier to defend. And it's just all these little things add up. And he wasn't able to impose his will against Leon at all. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think it was a good idea to take the media rematch. I mean, that's it's easy to say that after the fact, but right. even before it got announced, I mean, when you suffer, you know, not only a head kick level knockout like mm-hmm. that, clean knockout, cold, yeah. um, but then also to be as dominant for that long and then have that happen, um, it just seemed like it would have been a better idea to have him face somebody else and then you know, gauge himself and where he's at before he do it. But at the same time, if you're not the champion, you don't make the money the champion does. You right. don't make the pay-per-view points. Right. So the, you know, and it, it's what if he loses, then he never gets the rematch. Right. So there's all those variables to throw in there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, coming straight, straight back right after it with that kind of ending. Um, yeah. Was already questioning it. So, on the co-main event, um, we had a fucking war yeah. between Justin Gaethje and Can Rafael Vazir. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, um, both of us were kind of <laughs> leaning towards Fazeev. To, Before pre-fight? Yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Definitely would have put my to, money on Fazeev. Yeah, yep. To pull it out, the technical ability, thought it was more sound, um, <clears throat> given all of his you know combat striking. And not only that, but let's be honest, Justin Gaethje is the type of fighter that goes in there and forces you to brawl, kicks you in the leg super hard, and punches you in the face and causes you to have to fight him his way. Mm-hmm. And we thought that or I thought, rather, that um, Fazeev would have been able to um, navigate that and be able to work that around. But the thing is, is that Geishi is just so fucking, like, durable and tough that he's just going to, it doesn't matter what your game plan is, he's just going to zombie fucking march towards you. And you have to you have to fight him that way. So he's He's turned into a much smarter fighter than he ever used to be, and I think that's what's been so impressive for me watching his fights because they're still exciting but he's just he's gotten so much better at picking his shots and so much better knowing when to throw what and I know that early in that fight it looked like Fazeev was getting the better of these exchanges and was landing more punches and was the faster striker but all throughout and even at the end like it never looked like anything ever actually really hurt Justin. No, no, it didn't. And, and that was interesting because as the, as the fight goes on and he starts finding ways to hit Fazeev, everything he hit Fazeev with, you could tell really hurt him. Yeah. Um, he was really busted up. I mean, I, I was, yeah, I was so entertained by that fight. I yeah. really candidate for fight of the year for sure. Yeah. I mean, it could, yeah, definitely, definitely deserves the nomination. Um, it was a little hard for me to tell the damage on one of his eyes. You could tell, you know, it was from him punching it. And then the other eye, um, he had got, um, you know, a pretty bad fingernail, like, dug into it. And then there was, like, a bruise underneath it after that. And so, and that was, like, the first bruising and swelling that I could see. And then the other side got 
blackened throughout the fight. Um, but he did war damage at the end. Gaethje looked like he hadn't even been in a fight. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. Hadn't, he had nothing on him, you know. And not that wearing damage is all is always the best determination of the damage, because some people bruise easy, some people right. you know get hit on scar tissue and it busts up and all the rest of that. Um, but yeah, and then you're right. It it can be so subjective, but as the spectator watching it, you you really don't have much else to go on because you like we're not in there to feel it, you know. Like, yeah, you can count points scored by strikes thrown and all that, but um, it, I I would agree. Yes, it probably as a fighter puts you at a disadvantage if you wear damage more than your opponent does. Yes, it's probably not going to look good on scorecards. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> especially uh, you know in a relatively close barn burner type fight. You know, right? Because when you look at the numbers, that they were probably at least to the first two rounds was pretty close, pretty pretty close. Yeah, give and take, and it, you could see literally the momentum going back and forward in there. You could mm-hmm. see Vazie pushing on him, um, on Gaethje, um, you know, striking him, and then just like, uh, you know, during the combination or whatever, Gaethje answers back, and then it's uh, the swings back and forth. He hits him with a good one, and it's just constantly back and forth. You can just see the momentum throughout the first couple of rounds. I'll tell you, when Justin found that uppercut, boy, he did not stop throwing it. No. Man. He would just wait, and then as soon as, as they would come in, it would be left-right uppercut. Yep. He landed it every time. Yep. Um, also on the fight, uh, or on the fight card, um, Gunnar Nelson getting a win over Brian Barberina. Um, you know, kind of expected it. Um, just that stylistically, it made right. sense. You know, Barbarina mm-hmm. is a uh, brawler, go forward, uh, type fighter. You know, um, he's a fucking gladiator. Yeah, straight up. Um, Gunnar Nelson is a tactician. You know, chess player in there. Um, fucking ninja, and uh, he was able to. Um, you know, just really take the fight where he wanted to and uh you know ended up uh submitting barbarina in the first round so it was an impressive submission he he did everything he needed to do he knew exactly how to beat brian barbarina and it went all according to plan uh i feel like we hadn't seen gunner in a long time i almost forgotten about him like i'm not sure what the story is if it was injuries or what but um, good on him to come back after the layoff and return in that form and get a win over a name. Yeah. And, um, I mean, we'll see where he stacks up once he starts fighting some ranked competition. But. Yeah. And not just a name, but somebody who maybe wasn't on, like, wasn't at the contender status, but was definitely making a charge up there with right. his momentum. Mm-hmm. And I was I was favoring Barbarina to kind of, because Nelson had been out a long time. Like, you yeah. knew what Gunner could do, but at the same time, is Gunner still the same Gunner? Uh, you never know until they get in there. Well, and Gunner's lost to people he probably shouldn't have lost to. Yeah, the thing. that's So true. you really don't know. And, yeah. and like you said, Brian was... Brian has been the one lately being active and making a name for himself. So yeah, exactly. Uh, but the fight that uh, I did foretell was uh, Jennifer Maya over Casey O'Neill. Nothing, no disrespect to Casey O'Neill. I just felt like Jennifer Maya is really putting it together. She is really um, accelerating her game. Um, the, from you know not just the grappling aspect of where she was you know kind mm-hmm. of a grappling ace to now like the stand up with the boxing and just moving it in so fluently I I'm a big fan really impressed with Jennifer Maya not somebody I I was a fan of previously but 
I really enjoy watching some of these fighters evolve and really start putting it all together. Like yeah. you see a lot of these, they're, they're talented. They've got things that they do well, but they're not winning all their fights. It's, you know, it happens. But then all of a sudden you start, some of these fighters, they, they do, they start putting it all together and they start getting these wins and they start getting these wins in ways that you didn't think they were able to fight in. And you're just like, man, watch out because this type of fighter, they've been, they've been through the shit, like they've been through the wars and now they're starting to get these levels of skills that are, that can get take good places. They're you know? starting to get good uh, now. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, and not just that everybody that fights in the UFC is good. I'm not saying that there's right. not people that's good, but I mean right. like at that high level, then you're starting to get that mm-hmm. good, you know? Yep. Um, and then your boy, uh, one, yeah, I was, so, I was <laughs> so impressed with Marvin, man. What a, what an ass kicking man. Like, uh, and, and, and I know we always joke about it and call him the meathead, which is why it was so refreshing to see him fight such a smart fight. Yeah. You know? Do we call him the meathead? I thought we called him the Dago. That's what I thought. <laughs> Dago. Either one. I feel like he's called himself a, a meathead kind of. Like he he knows he exactly where he he's is. where he's at. He is. He's said um, a lot of stupid shit and done a lot of stupid shit, but 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 he did. I mean, he followed a game plan even when Roman was trying to goad mm-hmm. him into yep. the, the war and and he did. He, I was I was real impressed with Marvin, man. I yeah. was real impressed. No, he fought a very smart fight. Yep. More credit than what I was going to give him towards. And to be honest with you, I really thought that, um, you know, whether the fight was on the feet or if it was in grappling range, I thought that Roman was going to be a lot more threatening. And Marvin just showed that, like, you know, his still, his wrestling and grappling ability is still that damn good. Yeah. So. Well, and his, and his striking. Like, he was the more technical striker. Roman was just kept just kept trying to blitz, and you could tell that Marvin had trained. He's like, "Hey, when he blitzes, this is what I'm going to do. Yep. I'm going to parry. I'm yep. going to jab, and and there's no reason to get into this this punch Back for punch forth. war. Yep. You know, like yep, yeah, exactly. I was, I was real impressed with that. Yep, not exactly. Um, yeah, and then we had the undercard. Um, Jack Shore beat. Amir Makwin. Um, yeah, I used to have high hopes for that guy, but man, he's been on a slide. Um, and yeah, Jack Shore is another one of those up and coming contenders. Like, watch out for Jack Shore. He's he's one of those guys that's got everything as long as he's mentally there. He's got everything it takes to get to the top. So yeah, uh, one fight I really wanted to talk about was the Muhammad Mak- Makavid. Yeah, and, and Rafael Filio. Yeah, yeah. Um, what a crazy fucking fight that was. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Filio had that fucking leg lock in there. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've seen refs stop fights due to damage, yeah. even if the person didn't tap. Yeah. So he very well could have won that fight at that point. Um, but the ref didn't stop it, and Mokai was able to end up getting his submission, which is good. But he wasn't even able to walk after that. No, like, and a big and a big reason why I think sometimes when you see the ref jump in there is really the facial expression and the auditory of the fighter that has the submission on there. If they scream and show that they're in immense pain, the ref will more than likely jump in there. But even though Filio had his leg completely bent, I mean, it was like at a, you oh, know, yeah. oh, at yeah. a obtuse angle. Um, 
but still Muhammad was able to, um, you know, like act like it wasn't in there. So as you're seeing it, Ben, you're looking at him to get the, you know, facial expression. I was, I was looking at him to get the facial expression and it kept, I kept being like thinking like maybe he doesn't have it in. And then you'd be looking at it, looking at the submission and you could see the legs, Ben, you could mm-hmm. see that he had it secured, um, you know, below the knee. And you're like, no, like he should be in immense pain right now. And he was, he just mm-hmm. didn't sell it and continued to, you know, get the fight into a position where he could take the back and then finish the fight. And like you said, not even be able to stand afterwards. I mean, I was just like, it's fucking crazy. And then afterwards I heard that there was, um, you know, some sort of uh, interview with him where he was like, yeah, he was like, you know, I could have, I could have submitted, I could have tapped. It definitely was in there and my leg was messed up, but I would rather have won and had that feeling and not been able to walk and have my leg torn up than have <laughs> tapped and not have it. And I was just like, I don't know if that's a smart decision, no, but it's, I it's mean, not, this is a kudos to you. If that's a guy who's already missed a lot of time due to yeah. injury, like, and, and, and here you've gone again. I mean, you know, you can take it for what it is, but, but if you end up, you know, getting, having your knee pop out during practice from now on, or having to go, and be on the shelf for another year due to reconstructive surgery. I mean, that's that's on you, man. Like, or have a, yeah, or have your opponent in the next fight like try to exploit your knee and blow it out. You know, yeah. I mean. Yeah. So another really good example of that is the Paul Craig Jamal Hill fight. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Uh, yeah. Because Jamal Hill didn't tap when he mm-hmm. got his arm literally pulled out of the socket. Mm-hmm. But you could tell he wasn't able to use it. It was just flapping yep. there, and so the ref called it. And yeah. Paul Craig has a win over Jamal Hill. I mean, it's yeah. like a big feather in his cap, but um. Yeah, so sometimes even not tapping isn't enough to save you from something like that. But No, it's not. You have to, I mean, literally, like you said, you have to finish the fight in that in that time period. Like, in that moment, you mm-hmm. have to finish it because as soon as they split you up or stop the rounds or whatever, I mean, it's... And you can't stand. Then yeah. the ref can tell and everyone yep. else can tell, and that's it. That's yep. the end of it. Yep. So let's get into uh, UFC Fight Night 222. Deuce, deuce. That was an interesting card. I felt like there was an inordinate amount of split decisions on this card. Yeah, and uh, a lot of questionable judging. Yeah, so. I, I know. I, was, I mean, there can't be that many split decisions if there isn't some questionable judging. You know what I'm saying? Because there's always going to be some close fights, but... Yeah, well, and they're in Texas. Texas is like number two for questionable judging. Number uh, one is going to be England, you know? Yeah. I mean, let's just be honest. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, main event, uh, Corey Hens. Jesus. Corey Sandhagen, rather, um, getting the victory over Marlon Vera by decision. How'd you see the fight? Split decision. Um, you know, so talking again about some fighters that wear damage more than others, um, Marlon Vera didn't look like he had any damage at the end of that fight. Although it was a fight you could tell that he lost. But Corey Sandhagen was bloody and he had some bruises. So when you want, So when you're looking at damage... I could see why if all you had seen was their faces at the end of the fight, you'd be like, oh, so Vera won, right? You'd be like, he really didn't, though. There wasn't any round you can look at where he did enough, in my opinion, to take to take the round. And it wasn't that he didn't land some stuff. Obviously, he he landed. But Sanhagen was doing so much and doing so well that, no, I don't think any of those particular rounds 
Vera would have gotten my nod. Yeah, and I know that neither you or I are judges, but let's be honest, most of the actual judges don't know what the fuck they're watching. (laughs) So everybody's opinion is valid. Um, How I had it, how I seen it, is I seen that the first two rounds were for Sanhagen, definitely. Mm -hmm. And then the next three... I thought were so close. They were closer. That that literally, they could have gone either way. They were closer. Like, if you wanted to give it on, you know, volume, then if you wanted to give it on, you know, the amount of strikes and, you know, positions, I would have given, I would have rounded some of those rounds to Sanhagen. If I was talking, if we were talking about power and damage, to me, what I was seeing is I was seeing more power uh, strikes um, the more significant of the strikes thrown and landed by Vera right. and then Agreed. Sandhagen also wearing the damage. Agreed. And so I literally had it the two rounds for Sandhagen and then the next three you could have n- kind of gone to Vera or you could have kind of went to Sandhagen. So realistically, I mean, it was basically like your preference after that choice. Back in the day when they did judging, they took... Um, Whenever the fights were that close, um, they would take, you know, control as a major uh, part to be able to tell Mm -hmm. who was winning the fight. Mm -hmm. Because after the, you know, a certain point, it's hard to tell who's outpointing, who's getting the better of the other fighters. So who's controlling the fight? And in that scenario, I would have, you know, uh, leaned over to Sandhagen. But we've seen so much recently now with the judges that the main focus has to be damage. The main focus has to be. So I was like, I was really having a conflict with my head about it because I was like, if we have to do it that way, then I'm going to lean towards Vera and have it a three to two for Vera. And um, and and I was like, and so when the but when the judges came out and they were like, you know, we gave one to Vera and one to Sanhagen. At first, I'm like, okay, so obviously they're seeing the same thing I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Now, the judge that gave Vera all five rounds, I don't know what the fuck he was watching. <laughs> There's no way, I think, that you could have given Vera the first two rounds. No. No way. No. Um. So what was that? Was it just some really bad judging? Was it? Was there some, you know, corruption involved? I don't know, but... Needless to say, that's how I saw the fight. So I, I realistically, going into the judges waiting for their scorecards, I had it 48-47 um, for Vera. But very like, it could be either way. Right. You know? Right. So I used, because, yes, I know that Vera landed the harder shots in the last three rounds and Sandhagen landed more volume, but I felt he had the control on the feet and was also getting control on the, on the ground. And I agree. When, and when I feel like the striking is equal, because like I said, you might land more, but if the other guy is landing harder, you know, there's you really you have to you have to consider that. But I thought I thought it was the striking was was even. One had volume, one had power. Yeah. So I had to look at you know the next criteria, which would have been control, which is and since. Vera didn't have any takedowns or any takedown defense, and Sandhagen did. That's why I gave him the nod. No, but, but again, yeah. razor thin. Yeah, you know? no, and that makes perfect sense. And normally, that's how I would have judged it. Right. It just seems like a lot of the more recent UFC fights um, that damage is the number one trump card of everything. And so I get into that point where I'm like, how mm-hmm. much do we? How much do I lay onto the? You know what I'm saying? I do because I'm trying to see what the officials are seeing to try to be able to not only understand the judging criteria, but then the overall sport and be able to determine like future fights and how those go. It's, it's never consistent enough to do that though, is what sucks about it. And, and we've even seen on recent cards, they have to 
change the names on the scorecards because the people thought they were the opposite people they were and you're just like what in the world are is going watching? on here I know. if you don't even know who the fuck these people are I know, man i know i know and part of me you know yeah i mean I don't know. I'm not a judge. I don't. I don't do their job. I don't know if they fly multiple times a weekend from one place to another right. to do all the judging. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So you get after watching, you know, a weekend's worth of fights, and you're just like watching it, and then you're like, "Fuck, was the dude in the red corner, or the blue corner?" You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But at least you know on the the most you know important fights, the main events, those ones, you really don't want to screw those up. Needless to say, human error can be involved. I'm not gonna you know trump it all up to like uh, some kind of. Uh, conspiracy type thing. I mean, it's but, nice of yeah. you to let them off the hook, but, you know, they are being paid. <laughs> They're being paid to do this. That's like, true. That's true. That's true. And they are officials, and it is their job, and they don't get paid a lot, but at the same time, it is what it is. I know. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. And so... Yeah, and the judge, like I said, even the judge, <laughs> if the judge would, if the judge would have scored it the way I scored it, if he would have given him forty-eight, forty-seven, Vera, I would have been like, okay, I see where that's at. Yeah. But when you give him fifty, forty-five, Vera, right, it's like, what the fuck? Dude? Yeah, there's no way he won those first couple rounds. Yeah. So yeah, so and then and it was crazy because when they read that decision off first and Sanhagen was like turned around and looked at his corner, I was like. You are in Texas, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's like you know fighting in England. Like you better get a fucking stoppage. Yeah, Um, yeah. So uh, co-main event, Holly Holm showing she still has the sauce. Yeah, um, Yeah. pulling out the victory over Yana Santos, formerly Yana Kuniskaya. Oh, the okay. Thank there you. you thank go. you. See, thank if you, you just let me finish, nope, I'll get thank there. Thank you. That's awesome. No, <laughs> and I did not know. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Um, I had high hopes for Yana Santos yeah. in this fight, but um, Holly Holm showed that you apparently can teach an old dog new tricks. Yep. yep. Because she turn turns out she's a wrestler. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, <laughs> developing those wrinkles in her game, even at this, even at this age. For this long, you know, because mm-hmm. yep. she's had a whole pro boxing career oh, before yeah. she got here. When oh, she, yeah. she was already an elder by the time she got into MMA, much yeah. less when she got into the UFC. Yeah. So to be all this time, I mean, years and years and years and to still yeah. be taking care of con- contenders when they come up the line. I mean, yeah. fucking props. Well, and think about that. And if you have to worry about takedowns and the stand up from Holly Holm, like, God, maybe is can she make another run? I mean, I know. I know. I, th- I think it's very possible, especially because there's not such an overwhelming amount of contenders there's not that log jam at the top like there is in a lot of other divisions right so it makes it especially if you have a name if you're a former champion if you have highlight reel knockouts over fucking you know some of the greatest of that time so yeah i mean definitely she could go in for another one um a lot of talk about the card um the fight night card the uh this last weekend was kind of circling around um the Nate Landwehr, you know, there oh, was really? a lot. Of, yeah, there was a lot of hype around him. Um, Re- not, rightfully so. Rightfully so. Not only from the performance, uh, super aggressive, reminded me of almost um, early Vanderlei in some um, instances, just like super muscling the strength from mm-hmm. the grappling to the striking. Um, you know, throwing caution to the wind, um, really just trudging after, and then being such a character on the mic and you know show showman afterwards um it just uh really you know that that shined really well off of this card this last weekend what did you take away from the fight so i believe austin lingo was a late replacement for that fight i think it was supposed to be alex caceres yes um 
I'm a really big fan of Alex Caceres, and I'm kind of glad he didn't take that fight. Really? Um, I'm not sure Caceres would have won. I would have liked to have seen it because Caceres is one of those guys that's gotten a lot better as time exactly. has gone on. Exactly. Um, that's what I was but, say. but no, I do think, I do think at featherweight people are going to have to start watching tape of Nate before they before they fight him. You can't just go in there and think you're fighting just some other guy. Like, no, no, you're definitely not. No. Um, and like I said, what I see that he brings not only is you know his technical ability and all that up to par, but just the the level of just pure aggression. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not something that you've, I've seen in in many years with fighters because a lot of them are a lot more tactful now, a mm-hmm. lot more technical, a lot more you know trying to um, in, um, control and incorporate so many different parts of the game to have you know young fighters like this making their way up and just trying to be the bulldozer. I'm like, yep. let's see how this goes. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then there was the Andrea Lee uh, Macy Barber, Barber. Yep. fight. And um, yep. what did you think about this? I heard there was first off, I yeah. heard that there was some controversial judging in this. A lot of people felt like AJ Lee won the decision, even though Macy Barber got it. I didn't get a chance to watch this fight. Love both these females. Right. Let me let me just right. put that out there first. But what did you think about it? I I think it's about as close as you can get in 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 a fight and for totally different reasons like as we were talking before so um macy barber doing her work on the feet andrea lee doing her work on the ground and which one do you value more yeah um it and that's really exactly what it comes down to um so that's a fight that could have gone either way because andrea lee was dominating on the ground had a lot of control time was getting takedowns um Macy Barber was controlling on the feet and landing the better shots on the feet. So what what counts more? You know, it's it's a tough question. I mean, does does a significant amount of control time without a lot of damage overcome you taking shots on the feet? Mm. You know, um, you have a good argument. If you want to make that argument that Andrew Lee should win because of that, you have a valid argument because she did. There was a lot of control time in that good fight point. for her. Good point. Um, so uh, was I surprised? Yes, because At I the thought decision? right, but but again, like you were saying before, because I expected the judges to see it the other way. Oh, okay, I got you. Not necessarily because that was the way I was seeing it, mm-hmm. because you know, again, I'm more of the, the. I'm like Macy's the one that's doing the damage. I know she's getting control, but she's getting back up eventually. She's not taking a lot of damage, so again, I'm seeing it for for Macy, but um, but I honestly thought all the judges were going to give it to Andrea. Yeah, and it didn't. It went the and other way. It didn't. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, it's almost like the reverse of the the main event, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Um, it's really interesting how that happens. And, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> you know, it's like it goes back to that thing. Until we figure out a better way of judging, mm-hmm. um, not we, until the UFC decides to enact um, and the sporting commissions decide to enact a, you know, better um, system of judging, mm-hmm. don't leave it to the fucking judges. Agreed. You know? Agreed. Um, it's easier said than done, but it's the only way to be sure. Uh, then we had Al- Albert Dumanoff getting a win over Chetty Anjikawani. Chidi Bang Bang Anjikawani. I know, I, I know. I love that nickname because it's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> no, and and I'm a big fan of him. Um, probably some of the most, like, just fucking spectacular kicks yeah. Um, in yeah. the game. But Dumanoff did a really, really good job of 
you know, taking those takedowns, getting those takedowns mm -hmm. from um, Njikwani and um, putting them on his back so much so that he was getting gun shy and wasn't, mm -hmm. and he was only throwing one or one strike at a time. That's not the way to set it up for somebody like Albert Dumanov to catch him. Albert Dumanov was able to then fight his fight for the duration of the fight, won the decision. So yeah, hats off to him. Yeah, uh, I had this one round one all Durayev. Round three, all Chidi and Jakawani. So it's really how you want to see who did better in that round two. Because Chidi started to turn the tide, but was it too late? You know, had Albert already pocketed enough points to get the round? And, I mean, yeah, obviously the judges thought so. But Yeah, and how I seen it is I saw that, you know, Dumanov had pretty much um, controlled and won, I thought, the first two rounds. Um, I thought that um, Chidi needed a... Uh, finish in the third mm -hmm. and when it didn't come I was like the writing's on the wall yep. Yep. Um, and then last fight of the main card your boy Daniel Pieta taking I, out Tucker Lutz such a great fight such a great fight and and I was a little worried because Tucker was such a heavy betting favorite that I you know it's like one of those things where you're like gosh they know something I don't maybe mm -hmm. you know like man maybe mm -hmm. there's a reason and as I'm watching the fight yeah certainly Tucker's good but Pineda's a salty dog, man. He's a veteran. He's got all sorts of tricks. And he was able to withstand um, the early barrage, wear him down, land really good shots, and 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 fight smart. F find the points in the fight where he was able to land better shots and not take the good uh, the take the bad shots. And and yeah, he he hurt him. He got him on the ground and choked him out, man. Yeah, no, um, I was really impressed by both these guys, both Tucker for um, his ability to. Um, you know, as an up-and-comer to um, have such an elevated sense of game and be able to really take it to Daniel. I mean, mm -hmm. he was not afraid to no. fight him anywhere. He was on the ground with him. He was standing on the feet. He was game for the whole fight. I think that dude's going to be somebody to watch moving forward. And, um, you know, um, Daniel's not a, a young fighter. He's right. a little bit older. He's taken some time off. But for him to come in here and get a victory over somebody that's his game as Tucker – I mean, yeah, it was it was a great it fight. It was really good showing for him. And, he, and Pineda doesn't have the best record, you know? No, no, exactly. But, exactly. Um, but, yeah, I was really happy to see him get the win. Yeah, uh, performance of the night deserved. Mm. Let's get into BKFC 39. Um, yeah, where do you want to start off? So I did not get to watch this card, unfortunately. Um, I did catch some of the highlights. Um, doctor stoppage for the main event. Right. I saw that, but I didn't get to see like how it got to where it was. Right. Um, but I mean, it, I mean, it sounds like it was a good fight. Did you get to see the? No, I did not. No, I did not get to see it either. Um, I was sick, and right, uh, right. yeah, so I didn't. I didn't get to watch it. I called in sick on that one. Um, mm -hmm. I did watch the co-main event. Woke up, did some fucking dinner, and watched the co-main event, and then passed out before the main event started. So I did see the co-main event. Britton Hart. Yeah, Britton Hart versus, uh, was it Jenny Savage, I believe? Mm. Um, yeah, uh, pretty good fight. It's um, like that was an ass-kicking. No, um, Britton Hart definitely outscored her. Uh, Britton Hart showed that she can be, um, you know, um, that she can be um, patient in her fights, that okay. she's not just going to come forward and just, you know, throw – reckless abandonment um gotcha. and so she showed that um she was able to do that and she you know won the decision by winning up the rounds um jenny 
uh, did put on a good performance. She was scrappy. She she came in there thinking that the head movement, she was going to be able to move in and get mm. closer to Hart, but Hart wasn't letting her. Hart was really working the jab, keeping her on the outside, just doing all the fundamentals that you would expect the taller um, more experienced fighter to do mm-hmm. um, but even then Jenny was uh, trying to switch it up and score when she could so it was a good fight but definitely uh, Hart won it so right, retained the championship I was actually a little surprised to see the lack of big names on BKFC 39 because they do they have so many yeah. big names they could they could sprinkle them out a little bit more instead of concentrate them concentrating them all on one card but yeah. maybe they're doing that for the pay-per-views I don't, I don't know yeah um i wonder about the same thing too i don't know if it's necessarily we're gonna get into some of that later um i don't know if it's necessarily the markets that they're trying to capitalize on and maybe the other ones they aren't this card to me kind of felt like an old school bkfc card kind of just you right. know how they were when they first started they have a couple of uh, you know their own housegrown fighters um mm-hmm. that are headlining it and that are the champions and then nobody you know really to help carry it um it felt like you know this they're kind of in that transition where they're on their way to becoming bigger but they still have some of the growing pains from it right these are the growing pains that's that's kind of how i looked at it gotcha um and one had a fight night uh Used to be the one on Prime Cards. Now they're one fight night, uh, one fight night eight. One fight night eight. Yep. Uh, pretty good card. Um, why don't you start us off with the main event? Yeah, main event. Um, Superlek, um, a fantastic world class uh, kickboxing fighter, and um, showed it every second of the fight. Not that Daniel Williams wasn't game, but Daniel Williams is a smaller fighter. Um, he he usually fights at the smaller weight class. Um, but the one thing about a lot of these Muay Thai and kickboxing fighters is that they they stay so busy, like they don't they don't take four or five six months in between fights. They no, just, they just don't. Yeah. So whether you're defending your belt, whether you're just fighting somebody to get in there and knock them around, whether you get a um, title shot, yeah, you still. I mean, you still you still get it. And um, and yeah, so third round knockout, um, mm-hmm. super lek. But he he owned that fight um, from beginning to end. Um, there wasn't much Daniel had unfortunately for him you know yeah but but superlek is is one of the best in the world at what he does and i'm super excited to see that rod tang superlek yeah um fight coming up at some point um yeah exactly what about the co-main event so how we had how this fight was is it was a uh, unification title match uh, for the one strawweight championship, you had Rodriguez, who was the champion, but had taken time off to ha- have her kid. Mm-hmm. And then um, Janet Todd came up and became the interim champion. So you had the champion versus the interim champion. Champion was coming back. Um, looked to be a good fight. And uh, Rodriguez ended up pulling out the W and um, keeping her title. So what would you think about it? Yeah, uh, you know, it, she didn't seem to lose too much of a step on her um, time off. She was able to con- control, land the better shots, land the higher volume of shots. Um, you know, and I like I like Janet Todd. I haven't seen her fight a ton, but um, I didn't expect Janet Todd to win. I, I, and I didn't know um, Rodriguez had been out to have a kid. I just knew that she had been out for a bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, she came back and rightfully took her place on the throne there for that um, straw weight, atom weight, whatever weight they're at for her for her belt. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I thought it was Adam Waite, actually. Um, pretty sure. One is so funky with yeah. that, though. Like, yeah, I everyone's know. Everyone's hopping weight classes, man. I know. So you never really are quite sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ham definitely getting a uh, the rifle decision, I felt, over yep. uh, Hiratara. Yep. So, Yatsuki um, Hirata. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, that, and that was a good entertaining fight. You know, sometimes I'll get into that that mind space where I'm like, all right, well, the women are up coming up fighting. Maybe I've got some time to go make some food or maybe I've got some time to <laughs> go do what I need to do. But I'm glad I didn't miss that fight. It was, it was a really good fight. Um, I'm glad I was able to see it. And, and I'm not saying that because I'm sexist. It's just like it's like a holdover. It's like there's things you really want to see and there's so much to watch that you're trying to find ways to get the stuff you got to get done. And, and sometimes those are the fights you like. Is this one of those I can miss? And I'm glad I didn't miss that one. Sometimes those are the fights that you miss. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I see. It seems to me. It, it seems to me that a lot of times the women, um, I don't know, are more likely to get into these like over aggressive, mm-hmm. super emotional type battles. And so sometimes I'll just be like, you know, watching fights and then doing whatever, like you said, doing things I need to do to keep up on stuff and then the women come on to fight and i'm like oh i'm gonna have to watch this one so (laughs) you know i mean it's it it, you know it's however you look at it um the fight before that though was a quick knockout akbar Akbar abdulayev abdulayev and over uh yeah um that was over that was over pretty quick wasn't it yeah yeah 44 seconds into uh, the first round by ko um yeah uh, pretty good card. Um, one fight that I really wanted to talk about that I watched was the Yamakata versus Alex Silva fight. It, that was the first fight of the mm-hmm. um, Prime card. That's where Prime started. Their main card um, was there. And, uh, yeah, I thought that that was a really good fight by um, both of the competitors. Um, really impressed with... Yamakita, not only his um, fighting ability, but his the way that he was able to transition. He would be they'd be fighting, you know, on the feet, and he would start, you know, landing punches and knees, and they would go to the ground, and you know he would maybe like be circled behind the fighter, and then he would um, behind Silva, and then he would get back in front of Silva just enough to get around him to be able to land knees to mm. the head of him while he was on the ground, um, really threatened with that. It really showed me the possibilities of, you know, what we could see at a high level, yeah. um, in, you know, other promotions, if they allowed those types of rules, you know, cause you could see how not, not only is it some that's, you know, threatening, but then, to modify it at such a level where it's just like instantaneously like getting the position and throwing the knee and enough and then Silva would automatically react and get up and they would you know reassess and then on the way up maybe take another one and then it would end up like that again and Mm -hmm. again and again and I was just like wow like it really showed me what the future could look like you know if other fight promotions also took that on or if if one ended up being the one that put on the um highest level of fights it really does change the dynamic of a fight being able to knee a grounded fight yeah kick them um, in the head and, whatever. and and for both though for, it's not just like oh it's you know it's so anti-wrestling because you can be posted up against the cage and you can you know, like it's for both though like yeah. instead of struggling for the takedown for 
two minutes up against the cage when somebody's putting their knuckles on the ground so that you don't need them. Like, that fight could just be over. Yeah. No, exactly. And and if it's not, the fighter is automatically wrestling and grappling to get back up. Exactly. To, you know, I mean, it's just, yeah, like you said, it's not the anti-wrestling of it. If, if anything, it's going to engage even further wrestling, you know, and uh, um, grappling in order mm. to have to deal with that and right. not just be in a position to just take more of those. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, that, w- that was an awesome fight. And just watching that to start off, I was like, okay, okay, I'm seeing a lot here. So Yep, awesome. Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost <laughs> Dude, fucking I forgot mean, about that. It is technically a combat dun, 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 sport. Dun, dun, you want to talk dun, about that? The circus dun, show. Um, yeah, I mean, I was I, I did not watch it live. I'll just put Dude, that up there Paul right Paul got fucking robbed. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. No. Um, I yeah. want a rematch. Okay. I, yeah. Well, so I didn't watch it live. Um, I just watched the highlights, <clears throat> but the highlights certainly make you it You didn't pay like, for the pay-per-view, dude? How I did not. Could, how dare I, you? You know, I just, I, and I really wrestled with that one too, let me tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, hey, the, the highlights that I saw really made it look like Fury won the fight, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I went back and skimmed through the fight um, on a faster speed, and um, yeah, it looked like to me that Paul had got a questionable knockdown. Maybe it was a slip. Maybe it was a knockdown mm-hmm. of Fury in the early parts, but Fury was just able to outbox Paul. Like he, yeah. you know, outpointed him, struck him, didn't get hit, was able to get in and get out. Didn't really, you know, threaten with anything, but still every round adding up, winning those points, putting away those rounds in his favor. Yeah. Fury won the fight. Yep. So, okay. So yeah, <clears throat> that's so. all I have to say about that. <laughs> and let's get to the hot takes. Hot takes. It's really hot. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I I missed this. So you got to tell me. You got to tell me what you saw. Apparently. Okay. And and, but, and let me preface this yeah. by saying, um, we're this is a, a common theme we'll talk about a lot where. Um, Dana White will talk absolute mad shit about something that he absolutely hates, that he thinks is a farce, that he thinks it's a total joke. And he says things will never happen. And literally two weeks later, it's, it's happening. Yeah. And this is exactly what he said about the Paul, any Jake Paul fight. Jake Paul constantly criticizes Dana White uh, about yeah. fighter pay, and they're constantly trading barbs and talking shit. And then what does the UFC do? They, at the end of uh, the fight night 220, at the very end of it, um, they promoted the Paul versus Fury <laughs> fight live on the broadcast. There you go. And um, I think that because the UFC, my thought, this is my thought. Dana White doesn't own the UFC anymore. He's not part owner. He's the president. It's owned by, you know, IMFE or whoever, WME. Those, whoever those fucking fucks yeah. are. Um, so they're they're really the ones that own it now um dana white still has leverage still makes calls but um paul versus fury was being promoted through top rank and top rank is really you know tied to espn Mm -hmm. as well as the Mm -hmm. fight night and ufc really is tied to espn now and so to me when i seen it i was like i can't believe i'm seeing it either that you know john anik is like profiling fury versus paul like stay tuned or don't miss it coming up tomorrow night kind of thing i was like 
this is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. But then I thought about it and I was like, well, yeah, because like ESPN's going to make money off of it. So they have mm-hmm. this broadcast and they're like, buy the pay-per-view. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even though Paul's been really outspoken <clears throat> against the UFC and against Dana White, that's it seemed to me like it was more of an ESPN call and ESPN's owned by Disney mm-hmm. and the rest of it. And so that that's how I seen it. But yeah, was really crazy to see. So um, yeah, if you missed that, um, you missed a, a little gold nugget of humor at the end of 220. So yeah. yeah. So anytime you ever hear Dana White say something is definitely not going to happen, will never happen. Um, just. Just know it's about 75% sure it's going to happen. Know it's probably, you're probably only a couple of weeks away from actually seeing that. <laughs> from it happening, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Great, great fight promoter. Um, so, you know, one thing we didn't talk about um, was the power slap uh, finale. Um, we don't have to talk about it. It's fine. Um, but um, power slap now being an exclusive to Rumble, um, I guess just the circus that's around it, um, not only from the media side, um, we've been heavily critical over them um, for good reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, you know, at the end of the day, these are grown adult individuals agreeing to take slaps and slap each other in the (laughs) face for a couple thousand dollars. And, you know... um, I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I don't. But at the same time, it's like, I don't think, you know, I don't think it's, sh- I don't think it's something <clears> that should be either safeguarded or policed. You know, people want to do whatever they're going to do with their life. They're only hurting themselves. Who, who fucking cares? You know, I, I love listening to you talk about power slap. Um, um it, it's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm not ever going to watch it. I would never tell somebody not to watch it though. Like that's the distinction yeah. I want to make sure I make. Like yeah. just because it ain't my thing doesn't yeah. mean, it's not your thing. If, if it's entertaining to you yeah. and, and you dig it, man, by all means. You yeah. Know, no, exactly. Watch it, but. but the thing is, is that more so what I wanted to discuss here was the fact that Dana White, once again, I don't know. I don't know how we get onto this fucking <laughs> Dana White and his bullshit thing. That, that was where I wanted to go. And then everything else kind of just happened that way. Um, but, you know, Dana White was... Um, you know, so outspoken about it. And then the finale happened and I watched the finale. I didn't think it was bad. I personally, just really quick. I think it was better overall product than the shows leading up. I think that by the time we got to the finale, you had, you know, guys in there that maybe were more competent with being like doing Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So it made the show more entertaining. And then the way it played out was also entertaining from a a story standpoint, because that is one thing that the UFC does well is how they tell a story. They're not the greatest at it in, in combat sports, but they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. So all that to be said, that's their, you know, kudos for it. Um, But that's not what I wanted to talk about either. The fact is, is that, Dana White was really outspoken against the media. Then the the finale happened. Then he came out and praised the media and said it was the media that was the reason why it had done so well. And they were like, what do you mean done so well? And he said, we've had billions of views on just one platform alone. We've had millions of views and millions of people watching from all, all parts of the world. It's, it's, he's like, this thing has done bigger numbers than uh, the finale did bigger numbers than any of the UFC stuff had done. It had done. He made a lot of claims that power slap was, the mega monster, quote unquote, mm. the mega monster that's taking over now was Power Slap. Yet 
they didn't get their TBS deal renewed. Right. They got put on Rumble exclusive. And and, and kudos to Rumble. That's a good idea for Rumble. Rumble's yeah. been trying to figure out how to make themselves, um, you know, more of a competitor to mm-hmm. YouTube. And, and I'm a big fan of Rumble. Right. Um, so it made sense to me why Rumble would do that. Um, I even like where Power Slap is going to go in the future. I think it makes a lot of sense for them to go and find talent in Russia and a lot of these places where these guys have been slapping the shit out of each other, <laughs> Have let them have a season, and then have this guys that won from season one slap against the guys from season two against these guys who were like, you know, this is more like their thing. I'm a little interested to see that. I'm not going to lie. But my thing is what world does fucking Dana White live on? Because he says that it's made all these, all these fucking viewership. It has all these fucking people watching it. It's a bigger monster than the UFC is. It's, it's grown fast. It's growing faster than the UFC did. He is providing all this stuff that we one can't really back up. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of erroneous comments, but then two, I mean, you don't get your deal renewed. You end up on rumble yet. You're still like, I know he's a promoter. I get it. Right. And that's and part of him being able to say that is why we are talking about it, why other people are talking about it. So he's doing his job. So uh, this, this is kind of a far-reaching conversation. It has a lot to do with um, social media itself, a lot of the things we ingest as consumers as far as entertainment is concerned. But the analogy that I'll use would be the difference between coal or gasoline. Right, like, or some type of flammable accelerant. Now, when you burn, when you burn coal, it, it burns hot, but it burns slow, and it burns for a long time. When you burn something like gasoline or jet fuel, another accelerant like that, it's a really big flash in the pan, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I could definitely see some things like these, these novelties, the gimmicks. They do. They they start out real hot. They get a bunch of views but maybe doesn't have the staying power that obviously UFC has had or boxing has had for over a hundred years, things like that. Yeah, no, that, that's, that, that's a good point. It is a good point. Um, I think more so, you know, you could be right. And even Dana White could be right. But at the same time, it's like it's like people listening to politicians over and over telling bullshit you know mm-hmm. it's the exact same kind of thing like Dana White's job is to promote and he does a good job of promoting it and so he's gonna tell you whatever he needs to tell you to get you to wanna mm-hmm. watch or be invested in the product so I'm not like condemning Dana White here I think he's actually doing a, re- a really good job with where he's supposed to be but at the same time just as a sort of critical analysis like it doesn't make sense. You can't have you can't have all this major viewership and all and this thing is a big monster and the rest of it while your TV deals are getting let out from mm-hmm. you while you're having to go onto these secondary platforms and and be on free have your pay per view which from day one was going to be a pay per view <laughs> get made as a yeah. Rumble exclusive yeah. for free. I mean, yeah. you can you know talk about it however you want, but at the same time, like just I guess. This was more, or I wanted to talk about it more or less to like the overall viewer of combat sports to be like, don't, don't let the fucking, don't let the dude like pull the fucking wool over your eyes. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, power slap isn't better, isn't doing better than the UFC, even if they have more views, even if the finale had more social media response than the last fight night Mm did, um, you know, it's like it, it's it, 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 it. You're comparing two different things. You're comparing something that's, you know, brand new and 
for all intents and purposes, half the people are watching it to like, like it and half the people are watching it that are like, I can't believe this shit's happening. Right. And, and also talking about it right that way, mm -hmm. both negative and positive while the UFC stuff is a lot more of the fan base, the viewership an actual, um, sport. And not that, not the power slap couldn't be a sport, but I'm saying like it already has its foundation in being a sport legitimized the rest of it. And so they're really like comparing two different things. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's beneficial for him to try to compare it in certain categories where you can kind of make it look like that. Mm -hmm. But in the reality, like when you actually like step back and look at all the different parts, like power slap is not doing well. So that's all, that's all that I, I, that's my hot take on <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <clears throat> I know Dana White's full of shit. <laughs> and, um, and soon you guys will too. Yeah. Um, one thing though, that the UFC, I think, um, I think it was a good look for what they did was they held a, uh, celebration of life mm -hmm. for Stefan Bonner who recently passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, it was on, uh, I, I, it may have been on UFC tv or whatever their thing is fight pass may mm -hmm. have been on that right they also put it on youtube so if you didn't get a chance you could go there and watch it and they had uh you know uh forrest griffin and other fighters come up and talk about stefan and you know different stories about him and all that kind of stuff um i thought it was interesting because dana white went up there god damn dude <laughs> this is the hot takes on Dana White. I don't know what the fuck is he going just, on here. Um, anyways, um, Dana White went up there and it was funny because everything that he was saying about Stefan Bonner was he was reiterating over Stefan Bonner was big for the company. I didn't know him personally. Uh, there are other fight. There are other people that are going to talk about him, including his family that knew him better as a person. I just want to talk about how well he did for the company. And that was more or less what he was saying. Mm -hmm. And I was, I just, I guess wanted to drive home that point to like, you know, other fighters and the rest of it when, you know, they have that whole, you know, um, boss mentality kind of thing. It's like, you got somebody like Stefan Bonner who with Forrest Griffin and their performance that they, their fight that they had at the end of the Ultimate Fighter one kept the UFC afloat. It made the UFC. No, it did. It yeah. did. And without without that happening, who knows if it would even still be here today and if we would have had any of the rest of this and right. all the rest. And yeah. so for for it to be for him to be that key of an individual and be that paramount to the promotion and to the sport and for Dana White to get up there and just reiterate again like well he did a lot for the sport. I don't know him personally, but he did a lot for the sport. I, I don't know. It just, I, I think it just spoke volumes about, you know, how, how he sees the fighters as not just maybe individuals, but more or less, you know, um, uh, tools for yeah, the company. Well, <clears throat> makes you wonder why the fuck he's there in the first place. Like, well, then why are you here? Just because like, he's, yeah, really good at doing the shit. I, I mean, guess. you know, I yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, he is good at what he does, but at the same time, it's just like, when I was watching the Celebration Live, I'm like, why did you guys have him talk? Like, yeah, he's Dana White, so I guess people wanted to see what he had to say. But, like, if that's all he's going to say, if he's going to stand up there for 10 minutes and just reiterate, I don't know the dude, but what he did, he did a lot for the company. Like, I don't know. When the dude was fucking alive and going through his mental, you know, uh, lapses, they didn't do shit for him. You right. know what I'm saying? I know. Uh, fucking, you know, and um, know. they he didn't get nearly the taken care of in the deals that Forrest Griffin did. Right. Forrest Griffin did end up becoming a champion afterwards, but at the same time, it took two to do that. Yep. And um, 
I don't know. I just felt like it was a little disingenuous, and so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dana White and disingenuous in the same sentence. Man. <laughs> do, do we have a hot take that does not involve Dana White? Dana White? Um, yeah, so I, I believe so. I hope so. Well, let's see how this goes. Uh, Darren Till um, <clears throat> asked for his release and has left the UFC. Yeah. And... Um, Bad, good move, bad move. What do you think? Good move for him. I mean, he wasn't. He is not beating anybody. Yeah. In, in the UFC, and so um, that's a decision you have to make as a fighter because you can still stay in the UFC. You can be your gatekeeper. You can take your name and you can do what you want with it, or you can go to a promotion that might pay you better. The competition might not be as fierce. I mean, that's open for interpretation. There might be lots of even stiffer competition um, in other promotions. But um, again, you're probably going to get paid better. You'll have the ability to promote yourself. You'll have the ability to have your own sponsors. Um, yeah. I mean, as far as Darren Till's concerned, I feel like that was an easy decision to make. Mm. Um, does the UFC care? No. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's watch out. We're kind of <laughs> sliding down that fucking path again. Um, no, um, I think that it's always one of those, um, you know, decisions that's hard to make. Only the fighter can make those decisions for themselves. Um, I believe that, you know, Darren Till has sort of the same sort of issue maybe that Peter Yan does or some of these other, you know, it's it's, it's a mental thing. It's definitely a mental thing. Um, and I, I disagree with that a little bit. And, and I remember we talked about this on one of our previous um, episodes where I asked you if you felt like Darren Till was ever actually that good. Yeah. Because I don't think so. Yeah. That that would be the difference. Um, I don't think he's reverted or regressed because I don't think he was ever that good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I remember us talking about that, and we have that whole conversation there, so go check it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, um, he definitely hasn't been able to, you know, put together any wins mount any kind of sort of momentum um that he has in a long time and so if it's better for him to go other places and look for other avenues and try other things maybe that works out maybe you know there's a lot of different like combat sports out there anymore in yeah. the, in the realm yeah. and so any of these other things may invigorate you and may give you a, a better sense of um you know, uh, of, uh, wanting to compete than being in the MMA at the top of it. Um, and so, you know, at the, at the highest level in the UFC, so all of that to be said, um, I think that a potential boxing match versus Logan Paul isn't necessarily a good look for that, but at the same time, fight of fighting is a pri prize fighting. It's a combat fucking sport. That is basically how much money you can get for the short period of time that you're in it. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these other professional sports. So I'm not going to, you know, well, and you, and you need to, no, yeah, yeah. as and a I, fighter, yeah. you need to, right? Because not only are you putting your body through all that horrible trauma, yeah. um, but like you said, your time at the top is so short and there can only be so many champions Right. So why not make hay while the sun shines? Right. Like, yeah. No, I mean, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So I'm not going to, you know, bastardize them or anything for it, um, even think any less of them. But at the same time, 
you know, th this has been a growing trend where fighters are either asking for their release, fighting out their contracts, looking for greener pastures. Gives me hope that, um, you know, maybe everybody's not seeing the UFC as the end-all, be-all of combat sports. Um, be interested to see what happens to him and where he goes. But personally, I think it's a good, I think it was a good thing because even in his last fight, he did look like he was, you know, still able to be in there, but it didn't look like he, you know, was really in there to like maybe win just in there to kind of take a beating and just show how tough he was. So hopefully he finds what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. I'll be interested to see where he lands and what he does next. Um, but could really care less about a boxing match with Logan Paul. If you're going to box one of the Paul brothers, fucking box Jake Paul. Okay. That's the, it's a lot closer to legitimate than, well, I don't think, than the other. But one. I don't think boxing is Darren Till's forte. Um, and that's, again, I don't have as high of an opinion of Darren Till as, as you do. Um, it's obvious. So, so I think he would fit right in with a Logan Paul fight because, you know, I feel like that's the type of person that Logan Paul would, would, would want to fight. He's got a name, he's from the UFC, but, um, but, but no, I, I don't think, I don't think boxing uh, was Darren Till's forte, and so I don't see him doing well. Yeah, I I'd rather see him go to um, PFL mm -hmm. or Bellator mm -hmm. or um, one. Even, yeah, you yeah. Know? No, me too. I would love to see him in like one or Ryzen um, go and fight. Um, you know where the competition is different, and see mm -hmm. about those kind of processes and the and the rule sets a little different, so what you're able to do is a little different. 100. percent And and only a fighter can make that decision. Um, but yeah, to me, to me, the Logan Paul thing is really strictly, I mean, even look at the Mayweather boxing fight or whatever. And then, I mean, Logan Paul, he boxed KSI, total fucking gimmick. <laughs> he bo boxed Floyd Mayweather in exhibition. That was a total fucking gimmick. Mm -hmm. The whole thing was fucking felt like it was a, on a WWE show. And the dude does a lot of WWE. So to me, if you're a legitimate fighter you should probably fight the guy that's closer to the legitimate fighter than the other brother, but I could really care less. No, I mean, way. I agree with you there. Yeah. Jake definitely is the more legitimate fighter, but um, Darren Till has a better chance of beating Logan is the only reason why I think he would take that fight. Did you not see the Fury <laughs> fight? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know. Um, so then, um, you know, speaking of fighters that have left the UFC for greener pastures, uh, Francis Ngannou did an interview recently with uh, Helwani, and he talked about his future. Um, there's a lot of questions where the former UFC heavyweight champ is and what's going to happen with him next. And he said that he is looking to do a boxing match, mm -hmm. uh, most likely against Deontay Wilder. Seems to be the number one uh, person in line for that. And then wants to fight MMA after. And has talked about that really the two promotions that are really at the top of... He said he's close to coming to a deal and uh, to fight an MMA and that it's more than likely going to be either PFL or one. Yeah. And so, um, That's yeah. That's awesome news. Yeah, so yeah. what do you think about the boxing fight? What do you think about him going to be in either of those? What do you think is going to happen? How do you see it? You know, just me personally, I wanted the Fury fight more than the Wilder fight, but um, I still think it'll be a good fight regardless. Um, it's something that Francis Ngannou has always wanted to do, so I'm glad that he gets to do that. Um, hopefully he does well enough that he does it a little bit more 
Um, but either way, I would be so stoked to see him in either one or PFL. Um, I, I'd be great. I'd be so excited. And when I hear those words come out of his mouth, yeah, I'm just I'm so stoked. You know? Yeah. I also uh, would have rather seen the would have rather the Fury matchup mm-hmm. than the Deontay Wilder matchup just because I would favor I think Ningano maybe more so I don't know um, I, I was looking forward to that fight potentially happening the problem with it is that Fury is the heavyweight champion when Ninganu was the UFC heavyweight champion mm-hmm. it made sense yep. two champions yep. fighting each other. And that made sense. When Ngannou left the UFC, he's no longer the champion anymore. And so for Fury being the champion, taking on a guy, he's the legitimate heavyweight champion of the world for him to take on a boxing match with somebody who's not really a professional boxer and isn't a champion currently of mm-hmm. another um, you know, combat sports. It does kind of make sense of why he would fight Deontay Wilder. The thing about Deontay Wilder is Deontay Wilder probably has... Um, you know, the greatest one-punch po- boxing power. He has the greatest one-punch power in boxing, rather, right now. Mm-hmm. And Francis Ngannou probably has the greatest one-punch power, uh, punching power in MMA. Mm-hmm. And so to see those two, you know, go at each other where they're going to be throwing punches at each other, <laughs> um, I'm all for that. I would like to... I would. I would be even more interested if they wore smaller gloves you know i don't think that's going to happen because it's supposed to be a legitimate boxing fight and and it's appealing to if he wins and can show really good then maybe we'll get that tyson fury match so it wouldn't really make a lot of sense but at the same time i mean you're having a guy come over from one sport we see it happen a lot of times where the mma guy goes over to boxing very rarely does the boxing guy go over to the mma Mm -hmm. so because of that and because we've seen it so much I'm like, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's make those gloves a little bit less. Let's see how that works out. Yeah, That's kind yeah. of my own um, viewpoint of it. But at the same time, really excited to hear that he's going to, that he wants to do one boxing match and then go back to MMA. So yeah. he's not just trying to be like a full-time boxer. If he, if he, that's what he wanted to do, all, all respect to him. But I really want to see him in MMA, given that he's the former UFC heavyweight champion, see him yep. against some of these other co- um, competitors to see how he competes against them. And, you know, going to a promotion like PFL, I think would be advantageous to him, but going to a place like one FC, that would be very, very interesting, you know, I mean, yeah. to see him like hit, you know, not only be able to chance to hit people, you know, punch people, but maybe even, you know, to throw some soccer kicks. Oh, I mean, man. it would be, you know, it'd be crazy. And the yeah. and the competition of the people who he'd fight over in 1FC, I don't know, um, Moldovsky, right? Or what's, no, what's his name? I mean, um, Moldovsky's definitely yeah. good. Um, um, why can I not think of his name? It's a super Russian name. Um, Mal- Malikin. Yeah, Maliki, yeah. Malaki, Malaki, M- yeah. Malikin. Yeah, yeah. The, the the light heavyweight champion, interim heavyweight champion, mm-hmm. has a lot, a lot of promise. Love to see that matchup between <clears throat> yeah. those two. Um, yeah, I'd like to see him against um, um, Arjun Bueller too, who is the champ. Yep. over there in one, who did fight in the UFC mm-hmm. and has a winning record in the UFC, and and again left the UFC off of consecutive wins. So. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, there's a lot of story that could be made there as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and one could even, you know, get other people to fight for him too. So who knows what the matchups are that we could see in it. 
I just really love the promotion of one. It would really have a feel to have somebody that's that dominant at yep. the top of their division I totally agree. being there. It would it would make it feel a him. lot like the old pride. Love you know? to see him making that one FC yeah. entrance. The predator yep. coming down. Yep. I know. So, yeah. So really interesting. Um, and then. Last bit of hot takes was uh, they did filming for the Roadhouse movie, um, Netflix's Roadhouse movie. I don't know if it's, I think it's like supposed to be like a sequel of the first one. I don't really know, uh, but they had done um, some shooting both at the weigh-ins and the uh, event mm-hmm. of UFC 285. Um did you see some of this? What did you think about it? I, I did. I, I loved it. Um, I, I like it when it's almost like the, you know, two birds with one stone thing. It's like, yeah, because there's already cameras there. You know, they're already doing the whole event. There's already a crowd there. And so, it, I, I mean, that's about as real as you could make the Hollywood experience, right? It's right. like, hey, well, let's just have you guys show up for an actual UFC weigh-in, and we can use the actual cage on a night that's having an actual event. And, you know, I'm a big Jake Gyllenhaal fan, so I loved seeing it. Um, <clears throat> I'll be excited to see the movie. I, there's, I mean, not that the Roadhouse is like, you know, cinema paradiso or anything, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was an entertaining movie, so I'm excited to see this one. Um, R.I.P. Patrick Swayze. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I liked that whole spectacle. I like I liked seeing that. I like seeing that MMA has become that mainstream. And, and yeah, I, like I said, I like I like it when they... It's not a cross promotion, but you know what I mean when they're <clears throat> taking two different forms of entertainment and combining them into one. Uh, I really enjoy that. Yeah, um, very interesting. Um, I like with what you said as far as it does echo how mainstream now MMA has become. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do appreciate that. Um, I guess I don't have the eye for being able to like visualize like how good it could be um because when you see it happen and it's just the kind of cornball cheesiness that like i don't know i'm into cornball cheesiness but it's certain types and just to kind of see it um the weigh-ins and then to see the you know the fight scene or whatever like that (laughs) it just it just it just really didn't do anything for me and so i was just kind of like man, this is going to be like one of those other Netflix movies that like I will never watch. And that's what I was thinking while watching it. So it didn't really resonate with me. Um, but it is interesting, you know, uh, hearing your takes on it about how, um, you know, uh, uh, like you said, about the positives that you see about it and optimistic you are with the with the movie. I know it's not I know it's not MMA. And I guess that maybe my brain, it's harder to switch off when I'm like engaged in the MMA and then to switch into uh you know, like cinematic universe and like the movies and the rest of that. But, uh, but yeah, when I seen it, I was just like, Jesus, this, I mean, to me, it it seemed like it would have been better if they would have like rented out, like not even like an (laughs) arena, but if they would have rented out a bigger venue and had a bunch of people come in and record it, um, you know, there as opposed to, here's the thing though. Like I've seen, I'm, I'm really into movies and I watch so much behind the scenes stuff that, most movies look like that before the editing, mm-hmm. before the sound, before the shots. I guarantee those crowd shots are not going to be the crowd shots that you see. Oh, hundred percent in the hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, the whole the soundtrack is going to be different, yeah. and there's going to be you know 
It could even be a short clip, right? It doesn't have to even be the whole thing that exactly, we saw. Exactly, exactly. So. And, and so you, it'll get the full Hollywood treatment. Yeah. So when you see it, it's not going to be um, as, as cornball and cheesy as it was there. But uh, but I think the same thing every time I watch behind the scenes of people trying to film these really intense scenes. And you're just like, boy, when you take everything away from it, this is really corny <laughs> this is really fucking see, cheesy yeah you know see and i don't have that experience so to me especially when it's something that's like you know something that i've been into and been such a um viewer and advocate for and the rest of it for so long that when you see that it's just it's just kind of like like i don't know like okay the mainstream's finally here but they're gonna fucking bastardize this in some sort of way that's <laughs> gonna that's, ruin it i know that's that's how my brain kind of and then and then it's funny because then the guy that they like you know pick to be the the you know antagonist or however you want to say it of jake gyllenhaal's character um jay heron i was just i was like surprised like more than anything i was just like fuck out of everybody that they could have chose to like be the opposite like yeah i didn't know jay heron <laughs> acted i didn't know that he was you know still like um you know in you know doing doing yeah. stuff it just it, it kind of like caught me off guard especially with as many different people as they could have chose for sure and for the sure. fact that mcgregor's in it but that he's not in the thing and so i was just like i, I don't know because well, jake gyllenhaal's got a win and so conor mcgregor is not going to film a scene where he's getting his butt kicked like we get to see enough of that in the ufc so do you think that that's going to happen <laughs> i mean i don't know i guess i guess we'll just have to see when the show comes out but it will i'll i'll tell you what seeing this now and then knowing that that is going to come out i'm gonna watch it just to see what i seen and how it transitioned into the movie to get a better sense of that and, and i think that's a great uh, i think it's a great exercise i think everybody should do that i'm not trying to plug the netflix movie but um the yeah, one, they didn't pay a shit no the one thing i do want to uh, bring up about this before <clears throat> we get off this topic is um w- one of my favorite movies in the past 10 years or so i know a lot of people didn't like and didn't get a lot of play was the a-team remake Oh, I and, didn't see that. Yeah, with Quentin. And, yeah. and and that was one of my favorite parts about it was that they went out and they got Quentin Rampage, Rampage Jackson, Jackson, who wasn't far removed from being the light heavyweight champion of the world at that point. Um, so it kind of added some credibility to the B.A. Baracus character. Instead of having five foot two Mr. T, you had, you know, six foot three, 240 pound Quentin Rampage Jackson filling the role and actually filling the role. Yeah, exactly. He's not the greatest yeah. actor. Even but from a physical standpoint, exactly. from the threatening standpoint, exactly. all that, you know, because that was a big reason why it worked for Mr. T in the original. It was before my time, mm-hmm. the A-Team. I didn't, I didn't watch it or whatever, but still at that time when people watched it, my idea was they watched it and they were like, this dude could really kick my ass. Right. That's why, you know, that's why he's in that role, playing that role. And when you see Rampage Jackson at that time in the role, you're like, yeah, that dude really would beat my ass. This so, dude actually does beat ass for a living. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And, and he's a character. He's charismatic. Yeah, a lot of those things yep, worked. So yep. it seemed like that all matched, even though I didn't go see it. So and Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I'm just, you know, it was a good movie. I liked it. But let's switch gears here after the hot takes. We'll get into the mill. For the mill, what's going to be is, um, you know, we're going to either go into uh, the rumor mill, see what's being said um, behind closed doors, make speculations of it, um, maybe take a drill into a certain subject matter to take a deeper dive into either a fight um, or, you know, something that's going on um, or mull out um, 
a certain situation that's happening in MMA and kind mm-hmm. of give a greater scope to what's happening. Kind of take this idea of not just what's rumors, but kind of make it more in the, the workshop area of the show. So, yeah, talk about like the nitty gritty of not just MMA, but I mean, it's probably going to focus a lot on the UFC since they're one of the bigger organizations. But yeah, anything we can get our hands on. Exactly. I mean, so is the show, right? So, yep, true that. Why would Colby not deserve the fight? Can somebody explain that to me? Well, he. A lot of fans are saying he hasn't fought since you know May of last year. Oh, he got jumped and, and was actually injured from. Right. Yeah, Leon didn't fight for like almost two years. Mm-hmm. He got the shot. Colby, Colby, listen. It's not like I'm a big oh Colby, Colby. You know, Colby Covington is, deserves this shot at the title. But does he? <laughs> no. Okay. Short answer, no. <laughs> but let's get into the much longer answer on why, right. why he probably doesn't. Okay, so the first thing to to go over would be he doesn't because maybe there are other people in the weight class that deserve it more than he does. Right. Right? And the first name that obviously comes to mind would be Bilal Muhammad. Right. This is a guy who has a longer win streak. He's fought more top ten competition He's fought up-and-comers. He's fought below his rank. He's done... He's fought everybody. He has. He's done everything the UFC, the UFC has asked him to do. and um, Without yeah. any shortcuts. Right, without any shortcuts. Um, he didn't get his fight against Leon Edwards like he was supposed to. You know, there was a fight I mean, was he stopped. did, but yeah. He did, but Leon Edwards poked him in the eye. And yep. after watching the last Leon Edwards fight, I'm wondering if it was an accident or not because he seems to be kind of a... Dirty fighter. A bender of the rules. I don't want to say dirty fighter, but a bender of the rules for I mean, sure. I mean, if you what's the if you ain't cheating, you're not trying, right? Okay, so. I'll give you that. Um, so yeah, so the first name, like I said, that comes to the top of my head that might deserve it more. Again, not getting into Kobe not deserving it, but there are people in this weight class that deserve it more. Bilal would be the top of my list. Do you have somebody else that you think? No, Bilal is definitely the number one contender. I mean, okay, so if you wanted to, if you were looking at it from a business model and you wanted to do the most buys, right? Mm-hmm. Colby definitely is somebody that can give a lot of buys to a card. He has a name, he has a persona. People either, you know, want to see him win, but more than likely people want to see him lose because he's such a mouth, right? Okay. He says all this shit, talks all this shit, and then does the exact opposite when the cameras are off. Um, so, but he does make money. However, the real money fight for Leon Edwards, where you're going to get even more, is going to be Jorge Masvidal. If Jorge Masvidal wins against Gilbert Burns, they already have history together. Gilbert Burns, um, or excuse me, Jorge Masvidal um, is a uh, bigger seller um, when mm-hmm. it comes to those kinds of things, um, you know, getting more buys historically. Um, so. Yeah, so, plus, like I said, they already have the, you know, three-piece in the soda ready on tap mm-hmm. to uh, sell mm-hmm. that fight. And um, d- so does Jorge Masvidal deserve it more than Colby Covington? No. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> no. But the thing is, does Colby deserve <clears throat> it more than Jorge? Not really. Right. He, he does have a win over Jorge, but at the same time, if Masvidal can beat Burns... That, to me, beating Burns is more significant than Colby beating Jorge. I completely agree. And Colby's had two shots at the title. Both of them didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Um, Jorge had one. Um, Both of those were, all of those were against Usman, not the current champion, but... Jorge had two. Yeah. Uh, Against Usman? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
first one was a decision where he got laid on. It was a short notice fight. Oh, and then well, he was, was all bitching shit. about yeah, it. So, exactly. Yeah. Like, okay, we'll give you another one. Fight. And then he got knocked the fuck out. Yeah. The fight island fight. Yeah. You're yeah. right. No. Okay. So, um, yeah. So they both have had two, um, you know, chances at the belt. Um, but like I said before, there's going to be more money if that's the way you want to go with Jorge versus mm-hmm. Edwards than with Colby versus Edwards. Right. Um, the bigger thing to me really is that, um, you know, we've seen it historically happen in the UFC and a lot in, you know, the welterweight division because it's always been a really stacked division mm-hmm. where the people at the, those at the top just sit on their spots and will only either fight each other or won't fight until they can, you know, position themselves to get right. into that title shot. Right. Um, and it really creates a stagnation to the rest of the division because you have so much more happening in the bottom 90 than you do at the top 10. Yeah. Um, so I'm not a big fan. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a big fan of fighters that get a title shot, lose, get a fight, win, then want another title shot. Fucking rank squatters. Yeah. It just doesn't do much for me. Um, well, and especially if that win that you got isn't against somebody else in the top five. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, and. and yeah, um, you know, all those things to be said, um, because even the Jorge that he beat wasn't the Jorge that was, um, you know, beating Askarin, beating Diaz to be the BF, yeah. BMF. Yeah, you know, exactly. it wasn't at that time yeah. period. He'd already lost significantly yeah. and then fought Colby and then lost again. Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't even that entertaining of a fight. A lot of it was just a lot of grapple heavy mm-hmm. um, session. Right. right. Um, but ne- needless to say, what everybody else is overlooking with this situation. Why? Cause I, cause I've heard, you know, some other um, people talk about it and be like, why, why, why would they come out beforehand and give Colby the title shot? They said, Oh, it's because Colby weighed in. That's not how it works. There's a lot right. of fighters that weigh in for title shots and they don't end up getting the title shot next. Right. So it's, it's, it's a, a mute point for me. Um, what everybody I see, I think seems to forget is, there was a lawsuit going on with Colby and Jorge Masvidal, and that has ceased to be. We There wasn't a decision that really came out about it, of what happened, but neither of them are tied up in the court case anymore. The rumor around that was that, um, you know, the Colby was approached by the UFC. They came to some sort of understanding, not just with the UFC, with everybody involved came to some sort of understanding, which we wouldn't be let to know in. But part of that understanding was that Colby would get the next title shot. He would get, if he dropped the lawsuit, if he dropped the lawsuit. And that was the rumor. Then mm-hmm. the lawsuit got dropped. And now they're, you know, pretty much steadfast mm-hmm. that, Colby is going to get the next title shot when everybody else, all the media fans, everybody is questioning. Why is that? Why is it that Colby is so demanding of the next title shot? These are the kind of answers that we get from Dana White. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, So, yeah. And I think it's so interesting that he can't get out of his own way where he's like, well, well, he was injured. Yeah. Well, because he got jumped and he was okay. So Masvidal, the guy that he beat soundly in a decision, found him on the street and hurt him yeah. so bad that he was unable to fight. Yeah. 
Which because that's that's why he's been on the shelf this whole time. Exactly. Like exactly. Like it's he doesn't seem to think about the, some of the things that he says and what it actually means yeah. when he says it. Like no, exactly. And you could even take it a further step because the whole situation with Colby getting into it with another fighter. This is nothing new. I mean, years ago, Colby when he first you know started this whole character mantra was calling out heavyweights and talking shit about mm-hmm. heavyweights. Yeah. And then Verbicio Verdum found him and <laughs> yeah. fucking sweated him and threw a boomerang <laughs> at him. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing. Nothing was done at that point right. because he's making them money. He's mm-hmm. making a character. They're, cre- you know, everything's good for business. It's all good for business. But when you don't, you know, um, try to interject beforehand, all that's going to do is then grow it even further and, and higher. So, I mean... I'm not not saying that it's the UFC's fault why Masvidal punched him in the face. I'm just saying that they created a situation and rewarded the dude for that those kind of behavior tactics that are only going to then further the that level of engagement and yep. cause something like that to happen where yep. he people do end up getting hurt in real life in all sorts of ways. It didn't have to necessarily be a punch in the face, you know? Right. Well, and that was one of the reasons why so many commissioning bodies, you, you know, 20, 30 years ago were so against sanctioning um, MMA and UFC in the first place was because of stuff like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, let's try not to regress in the sport. Let's try to at least, at least outside of the cage, remain as civilized as we can be. You yeah, know? exactly. And so how I see it now is that the UFC has put themselves into a really sticky position. Mm-hmm. They thought that there's not really a clear number one contender. If Edwards wins, We'll give it to you, Colby, if you drop the lawsuit, because then if not only frees up Colby to then continue on and then be able to make money off Colby and and move the division along, mm-hmm. but Jorge as well, who also sells a lot of tickets and, True. you know, is True. towards the top of the division. So it just makes better for business all the way around. The problem is, is that this sport is moving so fucking fast, just like we talked about in the beginning of not you wouldn't be able to tell that Leon Edwards was going to be the definitive champion a year ago, you couldn't have told that before the second fight what was going to happen, how Leon Edwards was going to end up taking over and becoming the number one champ. And, you know, everybody clamoring for the number one deservant um, um, challenger, Mm -hmm. who's Bilal Muhammad. That's who everybody wants to see the fight against, including Leon Edwards. Mm -hmm. Leon Edwards says that, you know, we have history together. Um, he's the guy that's been doing the same thing that I was doing, fighting every single person and not taking any shortcuts. That's who I want to fight next. Um, you know, I'm paraphrasing him, but that, you know, (laughs) was what he said. Um, so, so yeah, so the UFC is in this really sticky position. How do I see it unfolding? It could happen a lot of different ways, but one thing that I, I, if I was going to bet on it is that, um, they're going to wait to see what happens with Masvidal. And if Masvidal wins the fight, then they'll make Masvidal versus Edwards and sell that. Mm -hmm. And then Colby can fight for an interim champion and still give him his title shot, quote unquote, title shot for it. And he could fight somebody like Bilal. I don't think that Colby, I think that they'll probably let Colby choose if they give him an uh, interim title shot. I think they'll probably let him choose to be like, hey, even though it's an interim, it's not the champion. You're still going to get number one. You're still going to get a title. So who would you rather fight? Um, You know, maybe we'll see Colby versus Masvidal and Edwards will fight Muhammad, Bilal Muhammad, and they'll treat it as like, hey, if you're not Edwards, if you're not going to take the money fight we're offering you, which is Colby, you can fight 
Bilal, who's the harder fight, who isn't going to give you as much money as fighting somebody like Colby, and we'll let Colby and Jorge fight again and do that whole sort of thing. That seems like the UFC's type of formula to me. Mm-hmm. Not very great, but if I was going to bet, that's what I bet was going to happen. So so I, I, I think you have sound logic there. I, I really do. And the great thing about this is time's going to tell oh, exactly, exactly how, how right we are. The only wrench I'm going to throw in that is I don't think Masvidal's beating Burns. I, oh, okay, you're exactly right. I don't think Masvidal's going to beat Burns either. So, you know, then they can do a mirror of things. But so, so Burns is the next name I have on my list is people that deserve it more than Colby Covington. Yeah, and, and yeah, and and you know, and I'll get I'll get real specific with this. So, both two and two in their last four. Right. Um. And they both have a loss to Usman because Burns got a shot. He lost to Usman. Colby's had two shots, lost them both times to Usman. And Burns has that decision loss to Kamzat Shumayev. Which you can't, okay. Which a lot yeah. of people think that he actually won. There's an argument that you could say he won that. I don't, yeah, well, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he won it. But the thing is, is that I can't count that as a loss. To me, there was no loss in that fight. Um, somebody had to have won the decision. Mm-hmm. But to me, both of those dudes fought their hot, heart out. Both uh, stocks rise, and Gilbert Burns rise tremendously over where he right. was before. Hamza was already at the top, so his rose a little bit, mm-hmm. but Burns rose a whole lot. So that's what that's what I was going to say when you were talking about them both being 2-2. Two and two. When you look at those losses, I mean, those are different losses. You know, those, right. you know, right. And, and same with the wins, the, the wins, not all ha- losses are equal. Exactly. And same with wins. Not all wins are equal. You don't just get to stack wins like competition matters. So you look at Kobe's initial run to the title would have been Damian Maya decision, Rafael Dos Anjos decision, Robbie Lawler decision. Right. All of these fighters fought Kobe on multiple losses coming off of multiple losses already, not highly ranked. And then he, and then he got a title shot because he was on a good run. And then he gets to fight, after losing the title shot, gets to fight Tyrone Woodley, mm-hmm. who's on a three or four fight losing streak yep. again, yep. not highly ranked anymore, and ends up getting um, a rib injury. Yep. So it's not like he even finished him. That's true. And then gets another title shot. Yep. And then all he's had to do is get back in the ring with George Masvidal yep. or Masvidal. <coughs> and and here we go. Let's give him another one. And not to say that unearned title shots aren't the UFC's brand. Yeah, no, exactly. Because they do kind of do that. Yeah, exactly. And the UFC's a business. You know, if it makes if it makes dollars, it makes sense. Um, sort of thing. And that's what. I, and Colby's ability to market and sell this character that is a you know, that everybody loves to hate mm-hmm. has really, I think, what's propelled him over and over again into those positions. But then at the same time, like you said, you have somebody like Gilbert Burns who's taken on the challengers, win and loss, and, yeah. you know, even if it comes up short, still put on a hell of a performance, he's right there. You got Below Muhammad who's taken on every fucking buddy who should have got a title shot from before, yep. um, you know, as far as uh, being able to have earned one. And... um continues to take on those challengers that are up there and take out those challengers and, and fight anybody. I mean, yep. you know, he fucking wanted to fight Muhammad when, or uh, he wanted to fight Hamzat rather when no one else wanted to fight him. Edwards wanted to fight him when no one else wanted to fight him. So, um, yeah, um, to me, I think as far as 
who deserves this, the title shot, it should be below Muhammad, no question. Yep, agreed. Um, and then second, definitely Gilbert Burns. Um, but as we know, it's hardly ever about who it, who deserves it and who it's supposed to go to. You know, and and like I said, I really feel like it, that's the only way it makes sense to me of why they would come out beforehand and be so stern about wanting to push Colby to that title shot and silence any other doubt, even through erroneous claims, you know, erroneous logic or, or whatever um, of being like, um, you know, is because they've made those promises and they have to keep you know, those business promises in mm-hmm. one way or another, because that's what what's best for business. So mm-hmm. um, we'll have to see how this all works out. A big thing of how this is all going to work out depends on Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards has said that he's not going to fight Colby, that he's going to fight, um, that he wants to fight Muh- Bulal Muhammad or the winner of uh, Jorge Masvidal versus Burns. But the thing is, is if the UFC is going to give him boatloads of fucking money, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So. Uh, well, so, okay, so does this bring us up to another situation like we had with the Francis and Gunner situation where Leanna Edwards is like, no, I'm not signing the contract to fight Colby, and I I can just peace out and go fight somewhere else and take the belt with me. He like, could. He could. I mean, Well, I don't know if he could peace out with the, I mean. Well, you don't peace out with the belt, but you know what I'm saying. Well, yeah, like, no, no, but the, th- the difference in that, rather, is that Francis fought out his contract. Pretty sure Leon still has his contract. So the contracts are a little bit different now. And especially as, as a champ, there is a time limit on it. Yeah. Which is what Francis Ngannou did. Yeah. And he's like, yes, I've, I've, I've had my defense, um, but this contract becomes null and void as of December something end of 2022, which right. is why he just aged it out. Right. So I, maybe Leon, and I don't know where he is. If Leon signed an eight fight contract and he's only four fights in, maybe he's not in that position. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And they did, and he did have a timetable on it, but he did end up having to take the gone fight and fight the gone fight mm-hmm. because they had already rolled it another year because they, he didn't fight that year. And so they rolled it another year. And so then he fought gone and then he could let that year go mm-hmm. on because he had had this competition and then he could end it without them having to, without them being able to do anything. Right. It gets into a sticky situation and we don't read the contracts, but that's what I remember over the whole situation when it comes to this one. Whatever the contracts say, the contracts say, you could just leave the fucking belt there. Nobody's going to put a gun to your head and force you to fight, you know, the title, right? Right. Um, if you don't want to defend it, you don't have to defend it. And they'll shame you and ridicule you and not talk about you like they did Frank Shamrock, you know? <laughs> That's exactly um, what they do. Yeah. Um, so, but the thing is, is that in this scenario, we got to take a look, uh, look at the character of the fighters. And Francis is definitely that type of guy. Leon, to me... He seems like a very genuine individual, but at the same time, you know, he's in there to do, you know, what's best for not just him, but his family and the rest of that. And I don't get the feeling like Francis, where a lot of what Francis wanted was, you know, better overall consideration for all the fighters. Mm -hmm. To me, Leon's thinking about Leon and he's like, no, I didn't, I didn't get those kind of, I didn't get that kind of preferential treatment. So you're not going to get it. So I'll give those that are more deserving. And then they're like, well, here's a shit ton of fucking money. And then he's like, okay. Right. He still wins. Don't get me wrong. Right. Leon still wins. But it's it's different. You know what I'm saying? Which is yeah. another reason why 
I was so high on Francis Ngannou and still and have nothing but support and, and love for the guy because it's not a, that road to walk that integrity road is not an easy road or hard road and it doesn't mean that anything just is going to come out of it. Right. So right. Well, that's yeah. why I was thinking like, can you imagine the optics if Leon just happened to be at the end of his aged his contract out and left too? Like that would be two champs yeah. in a calendar year yeah. leaving your organization because you're a shitty organization. Yeah. And now it's all of a sudden in the two divisions you no longer have claim to the best the best fighter because and, and that could happen. Let's be honest, because we like we like we've said over and over, not even just in this podcast, but in this podcast alone, it's so hard to tell what's going to happen over the next year, right. how everything's yeah. going to unfold, who's going to win what, how all these fights are going to. I mean, think about if, you know, Masvidal goes out there and fly and he knocks out Gilbert Burns. I mean, it'd be hard to no, imagine, right. but then it changes the complete landscape yeah. of that division and, and others. And so we'll have to see how this all plays out. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the mill for this week. So Sweet. You've got mail. Um, all right. Let's get into Ask the Cast. So this is a segment where we uh, answer fan questions. Um, you can send us your questions through the email, scrapcastyahoo.com. Yep. Um, you know, there was a question in there about when when are you guys going to get on social media? We probably would get, you know, um, a, a lot more people responding through social media. The fucking thing is, is that, like I've said before, we're just two dudes finding the time to make this happen. So... Until, uh, you know, something else happens, send your questions to the email. Okay? Yeah. Unfortunately, neither one of us have time to keep up with social media accounts. Not even my per- not even in my yeah. personal life yeah, do I have exactly. the ability to keep up with the social media account. So, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. If this ever became, you know, a full-time paying, yeah. maybe that's yeah, something Yeah, or sponsorship do, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but, the, you know, you got to pay the bills. So, yeah. send those fucking emails. Uh, <laughs> Scrapcastyahoo.com. All right, let's get to let's get to this week's questions. Uh, question number one. This should be good. <laughs> Is Jones the GOAT? Will we ever see Jones <clears throat> versus Nganu? Okay. Uh, all right. Um, Is Jones the GOAT? No. Um, short, yeah, short answer, no. No, he's not. Uh, so, greatest of all time, no. And and this is something we, I mean, it's like it's like the whole pound for pound discussion. I know, like greatest I know. Of all it time. gets like so subjective. So yeah. subjective. And it depends on what counts and what doesn't count and, and all this stuff. So, in a lot of ways, and I've thought about this a lot because, you know, it was important to me to try and, for, for my own peace of mind, to come up with my interpretation right. of the greatest of all time. Right. And um, for me, people that do certain things for the sport get consideration for greatest of all time, regardless of your record. Mm. So just for an example, um, Conor McGregor, for me, gets consideration for greatest of all time because he's accomplished some great things. Not only was he a two-division champ, but he's the one that went over to boxing and started that whole thing, and he was the, probably the first MMA fighter to ever make 30 to $40 million in a fight. Like, I know he had to go over to boxing to do it. I'm just saying, like, there are things that I consider where it's like, these were great things that you did. You may not have been, you know, the best of all time, so the boat, I think, would be a different discussion than the GOAT because you can do great things and not have a great record. <clears throat> but no, I still don't think under those circumstances, that Jones is the best of all time. Um, and that's just me. I just don't. You don't get your title stripped three times for performance, in, you know, drugs for illegal substances and 
and get to be called <clears throat> the goat or the, the boat. I mean, even one, you could be like, ah, oh, it's bad luck, you know, supplements, one other. But three times, that's that's rough. <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying he's not good yeah. or, or even a, a, one of the best fighters, but the goat, no. Yeah. Not, no. For me, for me, it's a no. Yeah. I mean, yeah, realistically, the the whole goat conversation it doesn't it doesn't evolve into much. But since this is the question and we're gonna get into it, um I feel similar to you in the aspects that it's not about wins that makes the greatest to me. You have fighters in not just MMA but in other sports that have immaculate records. Mm-hmm. But when you look at those records and examine them, you can tell that preferential treatment, um, you know, a lot of uh, opponent picking, mm-hmm. um, you know, certain things like that, that really, um, for me, isn't what a champion's about. It's not about what the sport's about. Sport's about finding out who's the best, you know, and fighting the everybody fighting each other to determine who's the best. Um, since the days of the tournament, where it was tournament format and somebody came out on top to where we're at today, that's where it's at. The thing about fighting is you win some, you lose some. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I also don't share the um, sentiment of records being the number one rule on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, the the whole uh, PED thing gets really sticky for me because on one hand, I don't care about PEDs, which we've talked about before, but even needless to say for that um, is that um, if you believe that everybody's on PEDs at some point or another. Right. And given, and we don't mean like every single person, we just mean like 90% of the fighting division or 90% of the sport rather Mm -hmm. is cheating, trying to find a way to cheat and people get popped and whatever else happens. Um, then really it's like, well, then there is a level playing field because more than likely everybody's cheating. So then it's, you know, you get into that whole argument. Um, for me, what it comes down to is, um, you know, getting the title, retaining the title, at least having some form of defense, um, and the way in which you fight. Is it exciting? Do you go for the finish? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to put yourself in danger to try to risk to create those moments that, you know, echo throughout the times of history? Because that, to me, really spells a lot more for the level of the fighter and the heart of the fighter than it is for just who can um, cherry pick opponents best and have the best record and get out squeaky clean. Um, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? I do. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who you've got in your mind when yeah. you're talking about yeah. that too. So, so, but I'm just saying. So for all of those reasons, to me, John Jones isn't the greatest. I definitely think he could be. He's definitely in the talk for who's the greatest because it's hard when you look at um, what he was able to accomplish, um, you know, um, as long as he was, as long yeah. as he reigned, as yeah. many title defenses that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and moving up know, to heavyweight make, yeah, is a big deal. Exactly. And moving up to heavyweight, getting a title in another division is a super big deal. It is. Um, it really is. Um, but needless to say, it's in John, when it comes to John Jones, there was, you know, talk about them trying to overturn the Matt Hamill loss which is his only loss on his record um but to me it's always been very like iconic um or ironic rather that he has that loss because that was a fight that he was clearly winning Mm -hmm. and he lost Mm -hmm. but to me there's been fights that he's had 
the Gustafson one fight, mm-hmm. the Dominic Reyes fight. Yep. That Chaco to me, Santos fight. yeah, and yeah, um, that he lost and still won. Mm-hmm. So you have fights where you won and still lost, and you have fights where you've lost and still won. <laughs> yeah. So to me, yeah. it makes it like complete on some kind of fucked up level. Um, but to me, I'll just say that I think the greatest of all time right now is Demetrius Johnson. That's who I think is the greatest of all time. So we will uh, leave it there, and we'll move on to another question. Well, so so real quick, I, I think a, a better way to go about this type of discussion would be to do the Mount Rushmore thing. Oh, okay. So you, so you put some people on your Mount Rushmore. Not that anyone's head and shoulders above anybody else. Yeah. But, you know, you've got the heads carved in the stone. And you could, it could certainly change over time. Right. But... but but yeah, so uh, and and I and I would agree with you. Like I'm, I go back and forth in this a lot. Demetrius Johnson, it's got to it's got to be on the Mount Rushmore. I'd put GSP on there. I'd put Anderson Silva on there, and I'd put John Jones on there. And if you wanted to add a head, that would be a good discussion. But um, I think that's a I think it's a pretty good consensus for those four. Right there. No, I, I think that I think that there's a pretty good consensus for those four as well. Um, to me, when we talk about the Mount Rushmore, how I look at it is like more of like the founders and foundation of what it is. Maybe right. not so much of like right. where it's at now, right, but right. just of you know because of that whole symbolism. You know, to me, it's like all those whatever. You know, so mm-hmm. that's just how I look at it. So then when we get into that, then I really start like looking back at like who were the like big ones that like changed the sport and like left their air on the sport. And then I don't know, you'd have to put Fedor in there and you'd have to put some other dudes in there or whatever. And so, yeah. and so, and so, and so, and so yeah. it gets into again, another subjective realm of how yeah. do you look at exactly mm-hmm. what that is? But I mean, I would agree with you that those are, you know, top four and you could put Anderson Silva maybe in there. You could put, like I said, Fedor in there. You could put, there's other fighters that you could possibly put in there. And so, what exactly it is, how we're looking at it. Yeah. And, and even the greatest of all time that can change from time to time, yeah. you know? So there's a lot of different, cause the sport is not, um, stagnant. It's, it's constantly moving. So, so yeah. Um, but as far as the second part to the question, will we ever see Jones versus Nganu? Um, I really thought that we would, and I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I know how, um, What's the best word to say? What's the best word for it? <clears throat> I know how the UFC has treated f- past fighters and champions yep. that have done the similar thing that Francis has, and I think that the likelihood of it is is very small. At the same time, their number one thing is about what's good for business. Yeah. And so because of that, if the business was there, if Francis can go and carve out you know another path uh, at the top of either boxing another MMA promotion or whatever and can become the champion and want to enter back in to that um never yeah. say never yeah you can't tell me that if he went and knocked out Wilder in a boxing match and then said I want to come back to the UFC that Dana would say no to that yeah exactly like, there's no way yeah he just he, he just wouldn't yeah because exactly. think about how think about how much money he could make on that how he could spend that like yeah 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 um, um exactly uh let's get to another question does T Wood return to the UFC? That's an interesting question. So there's been talk that uh, Tyrone Woodley is um, trying after giving boxing um, his shot uh, that he wants to try to come back into MMA. He's a former champion. Um, could he return to the UFC? What do you think? 
He is he is a former champion, but this is somebody that has not won a fight in a long time, right. boxing or MMA. And I I personally do not believe he has what it takes to compete at the higher levels of this sport. So, no. And since that's generally what the UFC is, and since he has that name, and so that's the people he would be put up against, I know. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think he should. But that wasn't the question. Will he? <laughs> um, I don't, we just talked about that. Do you think there's enough... Do you think there's enough dollar signs next to Tyrone Woodley's name for the UFC to bring him back, give him a contract, and put him back in there with the top 10 at 170? So does he have dollar signs? Yes. Is there enough by with him himself? I don't think so. But the thing about it is having a former champion to feed to the young up-and-coming talent and the next level of contenders is something that the UFC is definitely invested in. So I agree with you. I do not think it is a smart idea, especially after, you know, being knocked out in uh, in boxing to uh, come back to the UFC where it's at its highest level when you've had time off and your time hasn't even been exactly uh, therapeutic um, to come back and uh, fight at the toppest level while the sport has evolved fucking millennia past where it was the last time you were here. Um, I mean, it was evolving past him while he was in there. No, you exactly. You could just see it. No, that's like, what I'm saying. No, no, performance exactly. Performance after performance, you were just like, you, it has passed you by, and it happened quick. I agree, 100%. Um, I, I wouldn't favor it. I think that he should go to one of these other organizations and um, try his hand there. Um, but what the question was, does T. Wood return to the UFC? And if that's what he wants, then the UFC is definitely going to give it to him and he's going to end up having to fight some fucking killers and it's not going to be easy. And I I really wish him the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, not a good career move, but, but does it happen? Yeah. I'd agree with you. I could definitely see the UFC trying to squeeze some more, some more out of his name. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Is, is Gaethje the most exciting fighter ever in the UFC? No. <laughs> and again, <laughs> we got to get the short answer. We got the long answer. And I love. I'm the. I'm all, a huge all, Justin Gaethje fan. I love how all fan. these questions pertain so much <laughs> in the subjective field. It's like no matter how you answer these, like we're never. It's not a conclusive answer. Exactly. You know? But anyways, and, and you could and you could always like you're always wrong. That's the thing about these subjective questions. Okay. Um, so, Gaethje, the most exciting fighter in the UFC right now? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But that's still that's still a bold statement. I mean, you've got Jiri Prajatska up there mm-hmm. at 205, who just just crazy. Yeah, Alex Pereira. In fact, Alex Pereira has been really exciting. He's knocking people out left and right. Um, it, you know, I mean, it depends on what you consider exciting. You could have even been like, oh, Marab Davishvili is... Most exciting. I mean, depending on what your level of excitement is, I mean, yeah. Exactly. So, so yes, I do think he's up there for one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC right now. But ever? Like, I mean, think about Anderson Silva's reign with all those finishes. Think about, um, you know, back when most fights were brawls. Yeah. Because. Well, yeah. And that, yeah, exactly. Like, that's, you know, that. 
ever? I don't know, man. B- BJ Penn had a crazy Chuck Liddell. exciting run. Chuck Liddell. When he was fighting in it. I mean, I don't think it gets any more exciting than the Axe Murderer and not so much of what he did in the UFC, but his run in, that he had in Pride, in Pride yeah. and the level that it was. And then when he came to the UFC, I mean, people, fans were salivating at the mouth to see that happen. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted to see that fight happen for a long time. Um I mean, so yeah, so, so there's a lot to go. I mean, yeah, and then there's the the complete heavyweight division. There's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's just uh, Max the, Holloway's run before yeah, he yeah. ran into Volkanovski. And the last, like, yeah, exactly. And even though Gaethje is an amazing and exciting fighter, I don't remember the last time, you know, rows of people were pounding down the doors to get to see, you know, Gaethje's next fight. Not right. that people don't want to see Gaethje's next fight. We all do, but at the same time, there's levels of that excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. And it's such a subjective question that even trying to fucking get into it is just like, and ever, like, and it's subjective and, and then know. ever. So, I, I mean, it's, I yeah, there's the basis of it is, is really hard to try to um, yeah. come up with it. But I would say that if it came to, you know, who's the best shoe in for a fight night performance could be Gaethje. It's de- I think it's definitely Gaethje right now. And it could be yeah. ever because I don't know if there's a fighter that has, a better record of fight of the night wins uh, to mirror the number of fights that he's had. I mean, almost all of his fights. Cerrone is the only other person I can think of because when he first came over, every fight was a performance of the night or knockout of the night or submission of the night. And he was fighting like Like, six times a year and like whatever else. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no, exactly. Exactly. And so that is true. And if Justin continues the fight, then that's, then it could be. And so, and that's what, and that's when it comes to ever, I mean, then you got to like, go back and be like, was it, is it more exciting to think about Donald Cerrone fighting back in the day versus seeing a Justin Gaethje fight now? But mm-hmm. like, you know, the person that I particularly me was back in the day is a different person than the person that is today now. And I've seen so much more. So it's like, right. is that even justified? I mean, it gets, it gets super convoluted, but I would, I, I would say, you know, that if you had to look at, you know, who is, you know, who are, who'd you be the most confident in having a, a, you know, fight of the night performance right now? I, I would put Justin Gaethje at the top of that just because, you know, no matter who he fights, he's going to come and make them fight him his way. Now, the fight may not go that way, but you know that that's right. how it's going to happen. I mean, that dude is a fucking hammer. So I like I don't like the way that you phrase that because that that kind of pigeonholes it a little bit better and yeah. makes it make a little bit more sense. Um, and and I would I would completely agree with that. Win or lose, you, Justin Gaethje is going to be in the most exciting fight on the card, most most likely. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, straight up. All right, last question of the week: Was Jones' victory a work? <laughs> um, okay, so um, for those that aren't up to par with the uh, wrestling lingo, a work. Um, describes something that is um, false or something that is uh, not false, something that is scripted. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, So is Jones's victory scripted? What was Jones was John Jones's victory over surreal gone? I think, I think that's what that's implying. Was was he always meant to win? Like, was there, you know what I'm saying? Like, was the, was the, did the UFC get involved and they were like, look, this is how this is going to happen. Surreal, if you want a fucking career that you keep going, then you're going to have to fucking take this one on the chin. You're going to have to submit quick. Right. Is that, is that how you've seen it? 
you know, I I feel like that's the way it would it would have to go just based on how the fight went down. There really wasn't a whole lot of resistance yeah. offered. There really wasn't a whole lot of offense yeah. offered yeah. during the time that, that they were standing. And, and you know, it's, and, and, and to be fair, to be fair, he did put the choke on. Uh, John Jones put the choke on Surreal gone and then stopped and then backed up and then re had time to re apply the choke to then finish the choke. Um, yeah. And, and at the end when John Jones is walking away, winning and surreal gone has his mouth open and it's just like this perfect, like camera shot of like, I could get why some people would think that. And even further than that, we talk about how the UFC does business. We talk about how they cherry pick, you know, contenders. Mm -hmm. We talk about how they have certain fighters that they prefer and that those fighters, when they, you know, win decisions end up, you know, furthering on. And even though everybody knows they lost the fight, it's happened more than a couple of times in the, in the last six months. So I get why people would start to feel that way. Cause Mm -hmm. there, it does feel like it's a real heavy hand. That's like in there trying to, you know, maneuver it how you want. And and that I think is, is completely justified. I think there's enough evidence to back that up. Um, But as far as in the John Jones versus Sorrell gone fight, I really, I really don't think so. I really think that John Jones has been fighting faster <laughs> opponents, and that the technical ability of these opponents is is greater. But even more so, John Jones's strength over everything else is his fight IQ, and I really think that bringing him now into the heavyweight division and having him as the champion for however long we have him mm-hmm. is really going to cause the heavyweight fighters who have been predominantly able to have not less technical skill, but not had to apply that kind of level of fight IQ to their fights because everybody packs so much power that it's really who can connect, mm-hmm. you know, cleanly first. Yep. I think that it's really going to cause the heavyweight division to have to evolve, to have to compensate for that because you're going to have to fight smarter, even though the, the damage and the consequences are more significant. Yep. So for you, the result of that fight wasn't, that gone was so bad it's that jones was so good it's that it's that jones was so good in an area where the ufc heavyweight division has been lacking forever yep the heavyweight division was known that it was known that if you were an older fighter you could go in and do a lot better in the heavyweight division than you could in any of the other divisions because the fight iq level and the and the you know the um whatever the ability to be able to be more technically proficient was so much less that you could at any point and and forever it's been that way forever Mm -hmm. and i really think that having somebody like john jones in there who not only is up to that level but really that's where his number one strength is is being able to utilize his natural ability to make his opponents fight him where they're weakest, where he's strongest, to be able to fight opponents and take them into into positions where they normally should be stronger and win those fights there, to be able to game plan at the highest level and be able to execute those game plans. That's been his career this whole time. Right. So for him to come in now to this division, it's going to cause the division to have to change and evolve to to, to compensate for that. And so that's what I saw. Cause we both, you know, talked about that we were, you know, fans of gone it, going into that fight, given a whole bunch of other variables and then seeing the fight play out. I was like, Oh yeah. If John Jones is really able 
to perform at that highest level, then you have to take in what his strengths are and put that and and move that into the equation. And so, yeah, so I think that the heavyweight title fights that we see moving forward will be at a higher level than most, if not all the other heavyweight fights. And then those will then trickle down into the other heavyweight fights and there'll be that whole type of thing. But that, that's what I took out of the fight. So I know, I don't think it was a work. So, and, th- and that'll end up being good for the division then. And it'll give us as fans better fights. So. Yeah. But you didn't answer it. Was it a work? No, no, I didn't think it was. I mean, I, I do think it was, I do think they did everything in their power to set it up. Yeah. So that Jones and not just and I'm talking about that whole three year period. I think they were waiting for the time to be right for Jones. It wasn't just John doing his thing. I think it was UFC being like, look, here are the chances that you win these fights. If you get title shots now, it's not very good. You've already come out and said you don't think you can beat Daniel Cormier at heavyweight, like all this stuff. Right. And then it gets to a point where. And even and, and this was so funny is Dana White's like so was was crapping on John Jones so much for not signing to fight Francis Ngannou. Yeah, I remember. And now look at what the what the narrative is that Dana White's trying switched. to spin. Yeah, yeah, it's completely the opposite. And it's just like there were there were a, a three year period of time there where Jones could have signed to fight Ngannou at any point in time. Yeah. And and he didn't. And that's all that Dana White could say is like. He could fight. He could have that fight tomorrow. If, yeah. you want, if John Jones wanted to fight, he got that fight. He doesn't want to fight Ngannou. And then Ngannou leaves, and that, what happens right after that? He fights somebody who's not only coming off of a loss to Ngannou, but somebody with no background in wrestling, no wrestling skills whatsoever. And and Dana White praises Jones and buries fucking Exactly, Ngannou. exactly. Yeah. So um, a work, no. But do I think they put every possible game piece on the table to make it so that he won, yes, I do. Yeah, and you bring up a good point. I don't know, you know, that to be a fact, but very well could have. Um, the one other piece that I want to just add on to this, I talked about before how, to me, the whole Matt Hamill loss is a very um, ironic um, in, a, in a comedic sort of sense. Um, think about it like this. John Jones moves up, takes the heavyweight title, but he doesn't take it from the actual heavyweight champ. Exactly. And he can't, if if the UFC won't allow Francis to come back, he can never actually justify linearly that he is the champ. Exactly. Which yeah. then is even more ironic to this whole fucking thing about, <laughs> yeah. his, about yeah. his record. So yeah. to me, it's just like, it's it's one, um, yeah, um, comedic, beautiful comedic mess, you know? So, his whole career is yeah. a shit show. So, yeah, so uh, thanks for the questions. Once again, send them to us, scrapcastyahoo.com. Moving on to the spotlight fights. Spotlight fights. Wouldn't you know it, most of them are coming by way of bare knuckle fighting. Like they're, a lot of them. They're, they're, they're doing it right, man. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about BKFC 41. They're going to make their uh, debut. Bare knuckle is going to make their debut in Denver. And the card already looks super fucking stacked. Um, we have, uh, the main event of the card. I don't know if it's co-main event. I don't know how you want to look at it, but we'll just talk about the first fight is, um, Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold. So Luke Rockhold from the middleweight from the UFC who retired, waited about a year, unretired, now coming back. 
I don't even know if it was a year. Was it a year? Has it been a year since he fought Costa? Fucking time is moving so fast. I just want to, I, I just assume it's been a year, but like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, think you're right, actually. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And I think that there's something with that. Like when you retire from the UFC on the contract, you have to be retired for at least a year or something. I don't know. Um, that's why I thought it was a year. Um, but he is going to fight Mike Perry, who was a, a welterweight yeah. um, in bare knuckle fighting. Yep. So, so what do you think about that? I I mean, I love them throwing all these names around and matching these people up like Me that. Me too. It's like I a fucking it's, video game. No, I, it I love it. I it's like it. turning off the weight classes. It's, it's, and the, it's you know, literally students. what you would do if you got to create, like, if you got to be the matchmaker and you were like, I want to see some fucking crazy fights. I'm going to take this guy and have him fight this guy and that guy fight that guy. I mean, literally, <laughs> I you know? know? I know. So I love it too, but yeah. Um. You know, and if Rockhold wasn't so chinny, I'd say he's a lock to beat Perry. Um, but it's bare knuckle fighting. He's not going to be able to kick, which right, is right, his right. best weapon. Yep. And he's chinny as all fucking hell. So, yeah, I think Mike Perry has a great chance to to land a clean one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I think so, too. Um, Rockhold will be the bigger fighter. Um, but here's the thing. Mike Perry has become experienced into this bare-knuckle world. I mean, right, he fought Michael right. Venom Page, who, you know, was a bigger fighter, um, fought him and won in BKFC. He's fought, you know, other opponents fought that uh, Julian uh, fucking Let's Bang guy, remember? Right, yeah. And fought him, who, yeah. who he um, was like... Julian Lane, I think. Yeah, Julian Lane, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, let, him, let me bang, yeah, bro. Yeah, let, let me bang, bro. Um, <laughs> fucking, he fought him. And that dude, when he fought him, was like one of the top dudes in BKFC at mm. that time. And he beat him. So he's really become experienced in this. Um, and it's a different sport. That's the thing about it, man. It's, it's, it's a different fucking sport. It's hard for boxers to transition. It's hard for MMA guys to transition. It's a different fucking sport. So... Yeah, and and to be completely honest, Rockhold's never been a, the biggest power puncher either. So you know that really helps when you come from another sport. And if you have that power going for for you, then you know mm-hmm. it, it can carry a long way in BKFC. If you don't, um, yeah, um, my thought is that it's going to be a real scrappy fight, and um, both fighters are going to get cut up and. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it's better that Luke Rockhold does this now after his whole modeling career. So. Yep, good call, good call. Um, but yeah, I think I think you you made a really good point with the experience that Mike Perry has in bare knuckle fighting, and yeah, I just Rockhold's hands were never were never that good. That was never his his weapon. That's why I thought it was so interesting for me that he would choose to do that because he always kicked. He always like used the kicks like a jab as opposed to actually having a decent jab. So I think it'll be really interesting to see his his transition. Um, I'm I'm picking Mike Perry to win that one. Right, right, me too. Um, also on that fight card, though, the fight that I'm even more excited to see on that card yeah. um, is uh, Chad Mendez in his second BKFC fight taking on. The fucking king of the underground. The underground king himself. Fucking Eddie fucking Alvarez. Eddie, Eddie Alvarez, yeah. Um, super, super excited to see this fight. Don't know which version of Eddie's gonna show up, but I'm I'm a big I'm a big Alvarez fan. Me I always too. have been ever since the um you know, he fought in Bodog and I was a yep. fan of him then. He fought in Dream in yep. those tournaments. I was a big fan of him then. Um, you know, um him winning the belt, the whole rest of that. He let Connor get in his head or else he could have fucking had that fight too. 
Needless to say, I'm going to go with fucking Alvarez in that fight. This is a guy that's been a champion in every organization he's ever fought in. True. And yes, he's beyond his prime at this point. I agree. Um, <clears throat> technically, so is Mendez, Chad mm-hmm. Money Mendez. But both of these guys have always had really heavy hands, mm-hmm. and they've always had this that same kind of brawler style of fighting. Like they they want to get in your face, they want to throw big punches, and they want to see who goes down first. You exactly. Know what I mean? Now, much like the Perry and Rockhold matchup, th- these guys fought in different weight classes. Yep. Right. Um, Mendez being the 145 pounder, Alvarez being the 155 pounder. So I'm not sure what the weight classes look like in bare knuckle fighting, but I mean, obviously they'll be fighting at the same weight class in bare knuckle fighting, but it'll just be interesting to see how much, um, Mendez has, has put on and what Alvarez will look like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know exactly. Uh, you bring up a lot of good points there. Um, Melendez in his first fight. Um, I'm pretty sure, um, he's heavier than he was a featherweight. I don't know if you didn't need to cut for featherweight. I don't know why you would. Um, but, uh, what it comes down to for me is Alvarez has been able to take punishment from, you know, a lot of his opponents and a lot of his opponents have been bigger opponents, mm-hmm. and so than the than the opponents that Melendez, um, Melendez, Mendez rather <laughs> has been fighting. I'm just gonna I'm just, I mean BKFC is just gonna throw whoever the fuck they want in there. I'm gonna throw whoever the fuck I want in there. Um, yeah, no, my bad, Gilbert. Um, but uh, yeah, fucking, I think that you know. Eddie Alvarez is going to be maybe just a little bit more durable when it comes to this war. I think that, you know, Mendez has supreme punching power. He showed that in his last fight. Mm-hmm. Really excited to see this fight. It could play out a mirage of different ways. Um, but I really think that out of the two, the one that's going to be more likely, the barn burner, is going to be the is the Alvarez Mendez fight over the, over the other one, but there's other there's a lot of other great fights on that card. We will go into that further at another time because that card's gonna come up. But it's it's fucking stacked. It's got to be this most stacked BKFC card they've ever put on. So and that's saying a lot it because is. they go for broke when they put on <laughs> cards. Man. Exactly, exactly. <clears throat> um, and then the other fight we want to talk about in the spotlight fights is. Uh, your boy Rod Tang taking on Edgar Tabarez at uh, one ten. Yeah, um, we'll be fortunate enough to be in the crowd at one fight night ten in Broomfield, Colorado. So I am not only stoked to see him him fight, but I'm going to be super stoked to see him fight in person live. Uh, um, it's going to be. Uh, I honestly don't even have any words. Like I'll let you know how it goes <laughs> after the fight, but I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be off the hook. And not that Edgar Tabaris isn't a, a great fighter, but I honestly feel like this is Rod Tang's warm-up for Superlek. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I I really do. I feel like they're they're trying to get both of these guys... Because, uh, you know, because you got Superlek and you got Rod Tang, and if they fight each other, one of them loses and maybe loses a little bit of star power or whatever. But so you want to kind of stretch it out as long as you can. So get them, you know, some fights before they have to face each other because uh, I'm I'm just going to go bananas when Superlek and Rod Tang fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, but no, I don't expect Edgar to win. I do expect him to make a good account of himself. I think he'll show up, but um, I, I think that Rod Tang's <laughs> willingness 
to absorb punishment while inflicting his own is going to be way too much for Edgar. Like, like Edgar's going to land, but when he notices it doesn't even phase Rod Tang, and Rod Tang's throwing right back, right. And, and it hurts, yeah, I think that's going to be the difference. Yeah, no, you're, you're probably right. Um, I'm going to go to Bars. Okay. So, okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you wanna, just kidding. You want to uh, show thing, me your bet slip on that the one? Thing is, the, thing, yeah, the thing is, is that um, definitely Rod Tang is the favorite. This definitely looks like a fight that's set up. For that, um, you know, to get Rod Tang over in the U.S. audience and build up for this, you know, big super fight that's on the horizon, like you said. Um, so that's the that's what it that's what it appears to be. Is that gonna be what happens? Well, that's the beautiful thing about the sport. No matter how many times you stack the chips up, you never fucking know. Right. And right. so True we'll that. have to see um, when it happens. But yeah. Wouldn't count out to Barres. Moving along to the preview. Preview. Fifth and final round. Okay, so we've got quite a few fights to talk about. Let's uh, let's start with PFL one. PFL is going to um, return. Um, the regular season will start this weekend, coming up, April the first. It's not an April Fool's joke. Um, looks like they're going to be doing 145 and 205 as the two weight divisions for the first card a lot of good names on there absolutely love the way that they do their tournament style formats one of the things i really like about pfl um so just to catch you guys up pfl doesn't rely on their league random rankings or their league they're they're a a league you're gonna you, you get matched up in tournament style wins get you points points carry you through to the end and um, you get the million-dollar prize at the end if you end up winning it all, right? Yeah, exactly. So. It doesn't matter. You could, you know, sometimes in mixed martial arts, you have a fighter that is, like, well-known, and he can, like, lose a fight and then lose another fight and then win a fight really spectacularly, and they'll be like, oh, you're going to talk now for the title. doesn't happen like that in PFL because it doesn't matter – so much about your wins it's more about the points that you score over the season Mm -hmm. that you have and then those you know they keep them they do a really good job even though their point system is really easy to understand um you know um they do a good job of keeping everybody up to date on all the cards as far as when a card is happening and who's fighting on there what it looks like in their division are they able to pull into that playoff mm-hmm. slot are they not you have a good idea so as it gets closer to the playoffs or is that what they call it the playoffs i think that's a good one i don't think that that's what they call it but i think in order to get the idea across the audience yeah. that's exactly what you call it yeah, yeah. i mean I, yeah i'm not sure what they call it, but when in order to get into the um you know whatever the outside of the regular season to in order to keep going for a shot at that title and the million dollar prize um you have to be in one of those four slots yeah. so of, of each of those divisions um so going over the card uh for this weekend um our boy marlon marais is going to uh magic have an, man yeah have another fight um he had his a previous fight against shaman marais mm-hmm. uh it wasn't very um exciting fight close fight um but he did win so um he's going to be taking on brendan Lognane. don't, don't brendan know. lohan yeah Yep. Okay. So I don't know. Yep. Um, we have Rob uh, Wilkinson for. Oh, wow. To, yeah, fought in the UFC. Yep. Yep. Um, he's going to be fighting Tiago Santos. 
That'll oh, be. Oh dang! That'll there be you a, go. Thiago Santos, yep, big name. Yep, that'll be a fucking really good fight to yep. watch. Um, also in the two oh five pound division, we have Christoph Jocko. Jocko, fighter yep. UFC, another UFC vet. Yep, he's gonna fight um, in there. Um, we have. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of other fighters. Chris Wade versus Bubba Jenkins. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about it? Uh, I, I'm excited for PFL's 145 um, pound division for sure. Uh, I'm probably m- more excited now, knowing that Thiago Santos is in at 205 than I was previously. I wasn't sure about the level of talent they had at 205, but like I said, if, if Santos is representing for 205, it PFL, then should be some exciting fights there. And but then, Rob Wilkinson's no joke. I mean, I don't know if he's. I mean, that's a tough fucking you're for right. the first one. I mean, you're I'm right. just saying. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm not saying Thiago Santos wins. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think he's an exciting fighter. I like the name recognition. Yeah. Um, that's what I'm excited for when yeah. I when I say that kind of thing. I mean, I know Pettis didn't win his PFL fights when he went over there either, but that's true. I was excited to see him go over there and um and do the league. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Speaking of Pettis, um, we have <laughs> we have uh, Gamebred Boxing Four there also this weekend. Uh, Anthony Pettis is going to be boxing Ray Jones Jr. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. It's like it's like you know the fucking circus oh, continues man. on, um, or the video game. Um, we also have uh, Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens in a boxing match. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Vitor Belfort versus Ronaldo Jacare Souza in a boxing match. And I don't know what their level of testing is, but I really feel like Jesus Juice is going to be a big <laughs> part of this uh, this fight right here. I'm really worried about Jacare. Right so, uh, so, yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe Jacare's got some too. I mean, uh, hopefully. True, you know? but Jacare never was known as a boxer. That's true. That's true. I mean, he did have a heavy right hand, but I mean, I mean, fucking, we're talking about, like, the one of the most, if not the most, like, explosive power-punching fucking Yeah, speaking of a guy fighter. we left off the exciting fighter list, exactly. Vitor freaking Belfort. Exactly. I mean, he definitely would be on there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, I mean, that fight... I'm really excited to see. I yeah. just I hope it's not an execution. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Peril Gonzalez is also fighting on the card. Um, then uh, there was supposed to be Joe Riggs versus Paul Daly. Paul Daly couldn't Joe get. Joe Riggs? Yeah. Joe Diesel Riggs. Um, wow. Yeah. I know. Um, old veteran. Um, way old veteran. Um, he was supposed to box Paul Daly. Paul Daly had some sort of issue with his visa coming mm. over from England. Gotcha. Um, and so he, uh, Joe Riggs is going to be taking on Marcus Perez. We have a win versus win fight. So whoever wins will, it'll be a win. Um, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> um, so yeah, so um, a lot of good potential boxing fights on here for Gamebred Boxing Ford. We talked about this before when this card was first announced. Uh, months ago and uh didn't know that there was game bread boxing never watched any of the prior cards but i will be watching this one what do you think about this card? yeah I'm, I'm definitely gonna try and make a point to see if i can watch this one because um i'd like to see what the overall product looks like um what kind of production values there are and 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 i like i like the names i've always been a pettis fan um i've always been a roy jones jr fan i'm you know vitor belfort like i mean especially with uh 
somebody that's been watching MMA as long as I have, you throw some names on there like that, and I'm going to be there. You know right, I mean? right, exactly. Um, also this weekend, Bellator 293, uh, Kat Singanu is going to be um, fighting on the card versus Leah McCourt. Uh, main event is Marcelo Gloom versus Daniel James. Mm-hmm. Um, that much a heavyweight, right? Yep, yep exactly. Uh, John Slaughter, Slater, who's fought on some of their other cards, he's also mm-hmm. fighting on it. Um, Rustam Kabilov. Fucking, I know. There's a name I haven't seen in right? a while. Like our buddy that's in the UFC now who has a name that's just like it, and every time they talk about it, I'm like, fucking Rustam Kabilov fighting on it? And they're like, no, it's like... <laughs> there's Rus- Kabilov Rus- and Kalidov. Kalidov. I know. Yeah, I always like, get him confused, damn. too. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, it should be good. Um, Adam Piccolotti, uh, yeah, I mean, could be. There's some there's some names on here. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm excited for the Kat Zingano fight. I've always been a big Kat Zingano fan. Um, I don't know much about Leah McCourt. Um, I know she has a loss to Sinead O'Connor, but... She fought Sinead O'Connor? <laughs> Sinead Kavanaugh. Oh, okay. Sorry, okay. that was a brain fart. <laughs> um... And I know that Zingano hasn't fought in a long time, and the last couple fights she had in the UFC did not necessarily go her way. In fact, there was that Megan Anderson toe in the eye that, yeah. I forgot all about that. Interesting TKO. I was really bummed about that, but they called it a legit TKO. So, yeah. I mean, you can't poke somebody in the eye with your thumb, but if you do it with your toe, apparently it's legit. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big Casagano fan, have been for a long time. Yeah. She's a Colorado girl, even if she lives in California now. So I've represented for her. Um, you know, yeah, ever since the Rousey loss, um, it's really she's really been mm-hmm. um, hard to refine her footing from that. Um, she did, however, beat Amanda Nunes she before did. that. She beat the shit out of Amanda yeah, Nunes Amanda, back Amanda day, beat dude. her up the first round, couldn't put her away. Casagano came back the second round and just proceeded to fucking demolish Amanda yep. Nunes. Um, so, yeah, I, I won't counter out, refuse to counter out, but everything you said is 100% accurate. Um, it's been a long time since she's fought. Um, even when she was fighting, she was on a downhill slide. Mm-hmm. We talk about these um, upward versus downward levels of um, momentum, and right. uh, she is definitely on the downward uh, side of it. So, yeah, I really hope the best. I really hope that... Um, Me too. I'd really love to see a good performance um, from her, and if not, maybe Leah McCourt makes her name off of Kasanganu and um, wouldn't... Wouldn't necessarily be sad about it, but like I said, I'm a big Sagano fan. Me so. too. Yeah. All right. Um, Ryzen has their card this weekend. Ryzen 41. Um, not really too familiar with it, but like we talked about, Ryzen's last card that they had um, wasn't really too familiar with a lot of the fighters on there, and it ended up being a very good card. I'm gonna be looking forward to watching this one. Um, looks like they have some sort of. Um, tournament style format going on and so uh, we'll have to see how that works out but that's also this weekend so any thoughts on that i like that ryzen still represents japanese mma um i still think japan japanese mma is a big is a big crowd i like the fighters that come out of um japan and you know asia period but um we'll see if i am able to get a chance to actually watch this live i'd really like to um because you never know like the names yeah the names of tomorrow could definitely be on this card. I'm going to tell you right now, Will's not going to watch this live. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> when is it on? Uh, it's on at midnight uh, on the 1st. 
Okay. So, yeah, that's probably. Yeah, that's, unless you're gonna do an all nighter, you're gonna watch this that other card and oh, this man, card and yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll find a way to record it and watch it when I wake up in the morning on the second. Maybe, um, and I may, you know, talk to my buddy and get some blow and fucking just do it. So. <laughs> there you go. Let's just do it. Oh, that rising card was great. Oh. <laughs> Never know. You never know. Well, that will conclude our show for this month or this six-month period. We'll we'll be back. Yeah, the next break won't be as bad. We'll be back soon. Yeah, exactly. So uh, stay tuned. And uh, as always, we appreciate the love and the feedback. Always, everybody, you know, keeping up, uh, watching or uh, listening to us, um, you know, putting in those emailing us, those questions, all the rest of that. Hit Love those, y'all. Hit those likes and subscribes and, yeah, keep us going, right? <laughs> Fucking sell that shit, Will. <laughs> All right. Scrapcast, we out. Yeah. This has been Scrapcast. Fuck around and find out.